Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. Bart's Logic of Political Talk, part of the growing grassroots and conservative conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And we can find our Patriot Journalist Network at www.patriotjournalist.com. Tonight, uh, we are waiting for our uh, guest tonight, uh, the penny stock expert, Timothy Sykes. Uh, You have uh, probably seen him uh, if you follow that on 2020, which he's also been on Forbes and Forbes Magazine, uh, Neil Cavuto, CNN Money, and YoungEntrepreneurs.com. Uh, so definitely uh, check him out. Uh, we're just waiting for him to call into the show and uh, have a conversation with him. And, of course, uh, after the show, we will have the uh, current events as well as some topics that our panelist Kelly is going to uh, come in and talk with us about. Uh, but uh, if you'd like to uh, give us a call at 347-945-7428, and if you could just push the one on the number dial, uh, that would uh, be very good uh, to do that, and uh, you can be able to get to the show. And so, what you know, once we have there, we have an interview. We said we'll be able to spend about a half hour or so with us, Hopefully, he'll be able to uh, stay uh, longer than that. Uh, we shall see, uh, depending on, you know, how the conversation, of course, uh, goes here. And so we'll do that. And then, of course, uh, we're looking to hear uh, from James Neighbors as well. And so he'll be coming in. And, of course, he is from the uh, Overpasses for America. And uh, so I've got a, a caller in who would like to – uh, be on. So thank you very much. Area code 405. How are you tonight? Is this oh, Timothy? Hey, Robert. No, this is James. Oh, no. Okay. Well, I get so many, you know, I get so many area codes 
Uh, and, I'm, you know, I didn't know whether it was going to be yours or if I have one here, uh, that's 631, uh, which is uh, the, I believe, the New York area code. Uh, and that is what I'm looking for as well uh, for Mr. Sykes. Uh, I know he's got the call-in number. I uh, should have gotten a, a backup number for him. Uh, but while we have you on the show and we're waiting for our guest to uh, come on, uh, let's go ahead and uh, hear what's, uh, what's been going on with you. Well, we just had our uh, Flag Day event just this last Tuesday and had quite a few people out all across the country just reminding everybody that it is indeed, uh, you know, the 14th was the is, is Flag Day, and that's the day that we celebrate, you know, the standard of the United States. And I, um, you know, I, honestly, it's kind of sad, I guess. I didn't even know that it was Flag Day until overpasses came along. So it's been a, a good civics lessons for me, for me. So don't feel bad if you didn't know that the 14th was Flag Day because, well, I was out there celebrating it, but I didn't know that it was just a few years ago. So uh, it is what it is, right? <laughs> and and but you know we had people out all over doing that, and of course we're we're gearing up to do every single thing we can in our power to help keep Hillary unemployed and um, hopefully see uh, President Trump come January twentieth and. Just, you know, it's just been a really good thing, Robert. You know, uh, one thing that I was actually, uh, I was on a show just a little bit ago that uh, we do, Overpasses has actually done something that the vast majority of, of grassroots movements never achieves. And it's not for lack of effort. It just seems to be the way it goes with grassroots organizations. But we have lasted three years, which is 150% longer than the average grassroots organization survives. So, so far, so good. We beat the test of time. We beat the odds. And, you know, we're changing the country in the process. And it's, it's, it's really been just quite a – it's been an interesting ride, Robert. <laughs> Hello, Jay. I still – Oh, there you are. <laughs> yeah, you're still there. No, I was uh, doing oh. some call screening, making sure we uh, have the, the right uh, person. We do have our guest on, uh, so we'll definitely get back uh, to Flag Day, what uh, you're doing there on Overpasses uh, for oh, America. Yeah, we'll right uh, definitely get over that. So let's go ahead and welcome our guest. Yeah, I was looking for a different area code because, uh, well, we won't go behind the scenes stuff, but uh, I was looking for another area code. But thank you very much, Tim, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, great. Uh, appreciate you coming. Uh, and I was uh, talking with Rich. Well, actually, we're emailing, so not really talking with Richard. Uh, but thank him uh, for, you know, getting in contact with you and getting on the show. So we'll get right to it. Uh, he said uh, you've got about a half hour or so for us. And, you know, we, of course, you're welcome to stay longer if you will, and, uh, depending on the, how the conversation things go. So I'll go ahead and get started. Now, I've got a couple questions uh, myself. Uh, normally here what we do on the show is we take some – you know, interview questions uh, from people who are our audience, and some of them even email or me or message me or something of that nature uh, with questions. And I have uh, a number of them uh, from a Chris Bites, uh, who has uh, been doing a lot of research, uh, you know, what you're trying to do and what you're working on. And uh, he definitely had a lot of questions because, uh, you know, I think he's subscribed to the, uh, some of your things on your site, and so we'll talk about that later. A little bit, but first, uh, so in the description of tonight's show, 
Uh, we've given a short synopsis of your history and background, and you have a bachelor's degree in philosophy, which if we have time, I'd like to talk a little bit about that because I've actually almost minored in uh, philosophy. And so I find that interesting. But first, yeah, tell us a little bit about your story and why you decided to focus on penny stocks. Yeah. um, I mean, I got started in high school. I was a tennis player. I got injured, and my parents basically gave me control of my bar mitzvah money, which was roughly $12,000. And they said, you know, have fun with it. And this was 1999. The stock market was going crazy. They thought that I would lose it all. um, And it would be a good lesson about, you know, the value of a dollar. And instead, you know, my first year, uh, I turned the 12000 into a little over 100000 Then by my freshman year in college, I was at nearly a million. So I was just hooked. I'm from a middle-class background. You know, this was a lot of money. I definitely did not choose penny stocks. Um, I just was very successful at it, and I tried other niches in finance, and I, I didn't really find any success anywhere else. So I stuck with it, and now I've made uh, over $4 million trading, and now I teach, and I already have – a few millionaire students. So it's, it's kind of been a crazy journey. But yeah, yeah it sounds like, you know, uh, reading up in uh, different articles uh, you've been on, especially that, uh, the car you bought uh, and you're, you were talking about giving away or something of that <laughs> nature uh, in an article uh, that someone did with you. Uh, Cause I, you know, I've seen you've been on a number of them. So let's go ahead and we'll get to uh, Chris Bites uh, questions for you. Uh, Cause he had some questions sure. about the millionaire challenge. And so is there like an application process? So what does that look like uh, for the Millionaire Challenge? If you could tell us a little bit more about that. He's got some other questions re- regarding it. Yeah, so, you know, we have a whole bunch of different newsletters and options. Some people like, uh, you know, long-term trading. They don't really have enough time to focus on trading every single day, so I have a long-term newsletter. But my most popular newsletter is my Millionaire Challenge because that's where myself and several of my top millionaire students give live trading webinars um, every week. So students have to apply because, frankly, you're spending time in a chat room with me and my top students every single week. So it's very personal, and we don't want to have people, you know, who are disruptive or who have the wrong attitude or people who only want hot stock picks. You know, these webinars are specifically for people uh, to learn, you know, learn rules like what are good stocks, what makes a good stock, what makes a bad stock. And it's very educational, and we have these kind of cool little, you know, real-time conversations while the stock market is open uh, several times a week. So that's what my millionaire challenge is. And, you know, we have to go through a whole application process with prospective people because, you know, we're spending a lot of time together. Okay. Now, is there any costs associated uh, with the millionaire challenge? And if so, what are they? Yeah, so, I mean, we have a whole bunch of different options. Um, You know, we try and make it fit for everybody who wants to learn. I mean, you can't spend more than a few hundred dollars uh, per month on your education. Uh, Most of the people actually are spending roughly $150 a month, um, but we also have plans that are $75 a month. So it's all about, you know, investing a little money to learn how the stock market works and really, you know, try and take it to the next level. I'm not trying to teach people how to make 10 or 20% per year returns, which is, you know, what most people on Wall Street try to make. This is all about trying to grow your small account exponentially. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird subject uh, because, you know, the whole world pretty much hates on penny stocks. But I found a lot of success. And you know, now <laughs> my top true. student has turned 1,500 into $3.2 now uh, in just over five years. So it's not just me. My students are having success. And, you know, I love passing down the lessons that I've learned over the past 20 years. 
you know, one guy on Facebook uh, when we were, you know, chatting about the show uh, was saying penny stocks was uh, a racket, I believe is the word that he used. Yeah, I mean, have you ever seen the movie The Wolf of Wall Street? Yes, I did. That was, that was a crazier movie than The Doors. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, there are a lot of scams, and part of what I teach is how to spot those scams, uh, how to expose them, and actually how to bet against them. You can profit uh, when these scams crash and burn. It's called short selling, and it's not a very well-known strategy. So for me, you know, I'm not the scammer. I'm just the, the educator. I'm the messenger. Don't shoot the messenger. Uh, but, you know, there are opportunities to make money on some good companies. You know, not all penny stocks are scams. And then you can actually make money when the scams collapse. Um, so I'm just trying to, you know, profit from the way up and on the way down. And I'm not trying to be like a long-term investor. Um, I don't get caught up in the whole negativity. You know, you either want to learn or you don't. Uh, and kind of the cool thing about being real in an industry full of, you know, basically snake oil salesmen where everyone promises, oh, I'll teach you how to be rich. You know, I actually have students who are doing it. So I don't just, you know, preach this. So I actually walk the walk. And, and I'm going to skip over a, a couple of questions and come back to uh, Chris's other question uh, on the Millionaire Challenge, but since you kind of um, – alluded to it without actually alluding to it is tell us about, you know, cause I've heard you, uh, you know, talk about it and read some things you talk about uh, a term called a dump, uh, pump and dump. Uh, tell us uh, about that. And of course, uh, through what I've read, at least uh, I've guarded that uh, you're pretty much against that. Yeah. I mean, this is what the Wolf of Wall Street and other penny stock promoters do. They buy up large quantities of these stocks that like, a penny a share or half a penny a share. And then they send out, you know, either big promotional mailing campaigns, like you can get like a postcard in the mail. Uh, Sometimes you get emails. uh, Sometimes you get a telemarketer's call. And whatever way they market the stock, they're basically pumping up the stock and saying, oh, this company found all this gold in, you know, Peru, or this company is going to revolutionize, you know, the Internet, and this company has an amazing new app. Whatever – the story is they're just trying to tap into whatever is hot in the media and get, you know, financially naive people to basically believe in this company. And so they pump up these stocks that they have at a penny or two and they sell them for a dollar or two. And, you know, the vast majority of the world don't care uh, about, you know, stocks trading at a dollar or two, but if you're, you know, the promoter and you have a million shares at a penny a share and then you sell it for, you know, $2 per share. I mean, you're making millions of dollars and you do that again and again. And that's how the Wolf of Wall Street made his money. You know, he's basically promoting scams. And then once he sells all of his shares to the financially naive people that he's marketing to, he doesn't promote it anymore. And these stocks crash 50, 75, sometimes even 90% in one day. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely nothing behind them and that's what a pump and dump is and back to the millionaire challenge uh chris says why the millionaire challenge as opposed to following your tim alerts on profitly yeah so you know the millionaire challenge is is not it's called that for two very specific reasons one it's my challenge to people to see who's going to be my next millionaire student i have a few students already who have crossed a million dollars. And it's cool because it's not just like something, oh, I brag about I made a million dollars, but it's also because I hired those people and they helped me teach. Uh, In the beginning of my teaching business, I was doing all the live webinars, like three, sometimes four per week. And I got, you know, basically really fat and overworked. And now because I have these successful students, 
I get to only do one webinar a week and they do, you know, more time. So it's a challenge for me to basically find more helpers, but first you have to prove yourself and actually make the money and show every trade. I should mention that unlike other websites, we don't just claim that we made a million dollars. We show every single trade publicly. I even post my audits, my income tax returns, my brokerage statements. I'm a big believer in transparency. But then the millionaire challenge for the second reason is my challenge because I'm challenging myself to do whatever I can to create more millionaires. And it's not as easy as you might think. I mean, everybody wants to be a millionaire, but creating a millionaire from scratch involves, you know, teaching the right mindset. It's not just picking the right stocks. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into this, and that's what I try and do step by step. And it doesn't happen overnight. This is not like a get-rich-quick scheme. But within two, three, four years, if you have the right mentorship and the right strategy and, you know, a good stock market, which is what we've had for the past few years, it is possible. And with to the, the, the stocks, the trade, the platform, uh, platforms that you do uh, use, why is the platform better than E-Trade, Fidelity, or Interactive Broker? Yeah, so StocksToTrade.com uh, is a platform that my team and I created basically just to make everything easier for people because with penny stocks, there's not a lot of information out there. So you have to go looking at like five or sometimes even seven websites to find all the proper information that you need to make you know, a good choice on your, your stocks trading. Um, so we decided to put all of those sources into one platform along with uh, charting, you know, level two, um, we have many more features coming out, but it's basically just a tool to make it easier. And soon we're going to be able to integrate with brokers. So for me, I actually trade with two different brokers, E-Trade and Interactive Brokers. So for me, I have to open up two different websites and I have two windows open. And sometimes I forget to check one window and then it like logs me out. It's really annoying. So Stocks to Trade is going to have kind of like this mothership of all brokerage accounts so that you can trade no matter what your brokerage account, no matter what your bank account have it all tied onto this one platform. And that's, that's pretty cool. And so what would you say would be the best feature of stocks to trade? Um, I mean, right now it's just about making everything easier with putting all the information and data in one place. But once we have that brokerage integration, we're also working on paper trading where basically you don't have to even open up a brokerage account. You can just practice uh, with fake money and see how you can try and grow it and, and see what strategies do well. Uh, and, and that's coming out in the next few weeks. So it's not about any one feature. Oh, it's about having all the features. And I'm really excited, uh, you know, to get it all done. It's, it's been two years in the making, and in the next two months we're going to have all those features up and running. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm going to be talking because I don't have, you know, the time itself, but, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, my wife will be able to do that, but we'll uh, we'll see. I'll have to talk more on her. I mean, I've, even when I was in college, I you know kind of had a, at least a passing interest in penny stocks, just because like, oh, small company, you know, invest in that, see what happens. You know, kind of help out yeah, the little guys, I mean, so to speak, if that's possible. But yeah, I mean, that's the lotto mentality because everybody wants to find the next Microsoft, and what you have to realize is that you're probably not going to find the next Microsoft. There's only one Microsoft, and you're not going to find the next Apple. But at the same time there are a lot of penny stocks that are surging. I mean, this one company, the ticker symbol is HMNY, in the past two weeks, it has gone from $1 to $16 per share. So I'm sure that the company will fail eventually. It is a, a terrible company, but right now it has the momentum. They just released this new app, uh, which is kind of cool. You can, like, 
Uh, do you use Waze at all for your, your maps? No. I don't so, use like, Waze, you know, citizens can report where traffic is, right? So you can avoid the traffic areas. Well, this company's new app uh, allows citizens to report where crime is. So now you can avoid wow. criminal cool. activity, which, you know, I mean, it's kind of a cool idea uh, with, you know, our kind of unstable society right now, but it's probably not going to make <laughs> yeah. it in the long run. And it doesn't matter because the stock is up 16 times in two weeks. So it doesn't really matter how these companies do long-term. I just want to trade them when they're volatile. And a stock that goes from one to 16 is volatile. Yeah. I I think that's a great segue to uh, uh, kind of the next uh, series here. Um, It's about the research methods. Uh, Where do you go to do the research research? and the next breakout says the next breakout or breakdown. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the kind of cool thing about penny stocks is there's always something new. There's always some new small company with a new product or a new service or a new idea or a new press release or, you know, somebody famous just joined the board. So for me, it's, it's always trying to stay on top of the news. And that's why stocks to trade is really good because we have a real time news scanner. So before I used to have to go check Yahoo finance, PRnewswire.com businesswire.com, briefing.com, uh, news2go, uh, thestreet.com, Seeking Alpha, and sometimes even Motley Fool. And, and now I'd, you know, and also OTC markets if you want SEC filing. So I used to search like 20 different websites. Now it's all in stocks to trade. But I'm always trying to keep track of the news, but not all the news. You know, if I'm a news junkie, I mean, there's news coming every second, even as we're doing this interview. I would have no time whatsoever for myself. Uh, so I want to wait for the, the right news, and really I want to buy stocks when they report good earnings, meaning, you know, this little junky penny stock that no one really cared about somehow surprisingly reports big-time revenues, or sometimes, you know, these small penny stocks can announce a big partnership with a big company uh, like Apple or ExxonMobil, um, and sometimes they do. So I'm, I'm on the lookout for, for meaningful news all the time. And you mentioned the SEC. Uh, so if SEC filings, uh, in regards to that, what information are you hoping to pull from those? Yeah, so, you know, again, with, with the whole scenario where you want to watch out for pump and dumps, SEC filings are different than press releases. Press releases, you know, a company can just say whatever, and they'll be, you know, kind of like cheerleaders. They'll say, we have the best product ever. But then in the SEC filing, which is written by lawyers, and it has to be filed with the SEC, which is basically like the Mm -hmm. the police of Wall Street, it's a lot more somber. (laughs) You get the real numbers. You can't say this product is going to be huge. And so if you read the SEC filings, you can see where all the insiders or all the penny stock promoters have shares, whether they have, you know, a million shares of like a penny or if the company needs cash or if they have enough cash in the bank. So you can really kind of do your own – Uh, audit on the company and see if it's healthy by reading the SEC filings. But most people don't want to do it because the SEC filings are sometimes 30, 50, 70 pages long, as opposed to a press release, which is like one or two pages. So it just comes down to, you know, diligence. And that's been really the secret to my success, where I just dig deep, I put in the time, and I research like a madman. And most people don't want to do that. They just want, you know, the next hot pick. No, would that get the same with, uh, like, earnings reports? Yeah, but so there's earnings reports, you know, you can read them, uh, read about earnings in a press release. 
There's sometimes earnings conference calls where it's like an audio call with the management and they talk mm-hmm. about how the company is doing. But then the essence yeah, is the nitty gritty, and it's all the numbers, and it's you know not summarized at all. So you don't have to necessarily be like an accounting major to understand it, but they'll specifically say, you know, we have enough cash to last for the next three months. Uh, we are in need of, of more capital after that. So you know when a company, you know, basically is near bankruptcy, and they admit it in the SEC filings. Most people just don't read it. God, as you, as you mentioned, uh, do your due diligence and do your research. That's one of the things, whether we're talking about this or, uh, you know, what one of our focus here uh, is in politics is about do your do your research. Um, and it sounds like uh, pretty much in line with that. And so, you know, of course, most of the larger websites are focused on stocks like Apple, Yahoo, Tesla. Uh, is there a specific one where you get your breakdown news on the penny stocks? Yeah, I mean, well, big companies have SEC filings too, and instead of being 30 or 50 pages, I mean, some of those filings are like 200 pages. Um, I stay away from the big companies because they're just too complicated. You know, even if I understand one product or or one deal, you know, Facebook might have one product that's doing really well, but then, you know, 700 other business segments that aren't. So I can't analyze it. Penny stocks are easier because they only have one or two products. So you can pretty clearly tell, okay, this product is working. Yeah. This, you know, this this new app or whatever is working, or it's not. So it's very much succeed or fail. Um, and I like simple. You know, as I, I was actually giving a webinar earlier today, and I said, you know, investing, it's not like the Olympic diving championships where, you know, you have a degree of difficulty where, where you have like a little splash. Like, I don't want a high degree of difficulty in my investments. I only want to be you know, in clear-cut winners if they're penny stocks. And you can tell if a penny stock signs a deal with a company like Apple, it's a big deal. Apple does not just sign deals with anybody. So that's going to be a clear-cut winner at least for the first few months, even if the penny stock eventually probably screws up the deal. Um, But, you know, sometimes (laughs) you can tell when when there's 40 different penny stock promoters involved in a deal, you know it's a scam. It's not a question of if. It's just a question of when will the market, you know, realize it. And asking about indicators, is there a specific uh, indicator which is the best indicator about how a stock is about to break out or break down? Yeah. So, you know, most people were were trained to, like, wait for sales. You know, you want to buy the sweater only when it's, like, 50% off or, like, Black Friday or something, right? With stocks, Mm -hmm. it's counterintuitive. You actually don't want to buy stocks that are dropped, you know, 40, 50, 60%. There's something seriously wrong with them. So for me, I want to actually buy stocks when they're breaking to new highs because if the stocks, for whatever reason, keeps going up, people are willing to pay higher and higher prices, the company is doing something right. And if it's a penny stock and they're doing something right, you know, you can get these stocks that go from 1 to 16. And, you know, I want to buy high. It's obviously riskier because, you know, some stocks that, spiking could easily start dropping too. So I always cut mm-hmm. losses, which is rule number one. A lot of the time I'm wrong, but I don't have, you know, big disasters. I don't let small losses turn into big disasters. And that's how I protect myself. And you now with that, you know, when you see that coming, where would you get that information? What would be the source of that information? Uh, you know, for yeah, those So, I mean, this is, this is all stocks to trade. You can see, the bid, the ask, you can see what the latest stock price is. You can see the trading volume. So it's, it's very much just watching the trend 
and searching for stocks hitting their new highs every single day. Uh, there's even a scan. You know, Stocks to Trade was programmed with 40 different scanners that I use every single day where I'm trying to find a stock that's hitting you know, new highs on the week or, or a new yearly high. Um, I'm always looking at okay. different time periods, not just one time period. Yeah, I mean, and, and frankly, I mean, I know just a little bit. That's why it's you know, great to have someone such as yourself, you know, on the show and, and have what you out there, you know, to teach folks and educate them, uh, certainly. And I then only speaking know a little of, bit too. Uh, <laughs> you've only, the, the, what's that, the tip of the iceberg? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've been doing this pretty much every day for nearly 20 years. So it's my obsession. So I, I better be good at it, or else what have I been doing all these years? There you go. That'd be a, a lot of wasted time, and, and you definitely uh, have success on it. That's for certain. And speaking of the education, uh, what books or DVDs uh, would you suggest someone who is learning how to research stocks and make educated decisions, um, as opposed to just guessing to them? Yeah. So I have uh, kind of a crazy guide called How to Make Millions. Uh, if you go to HowToMakeMillions.com, you can check it out. It is 35 hours long. It all goes to charity. It's my best-selling DVD. Um, I've now raised uh, $1.4 million all for charity, which is awesome. Um, I have my own charity foundation now, so I'm, I'm teaching and giving back. But it's 35 hours, so it just encompasses every single thing that I've ever learned. Um, it was supposed to be 16 hours, and then I just kept adding to it because I kept thinking about rules and, you know, historical lessons that I wanted to include. And that covers the bare basics. Even if you know nothing about the stock market, you know, it basically teaches you how to get in the proper mindset of how to make millions. I know it's kind of like a cheesy title, but it's true. This is what my top students and I are doing, and, you know, it's good to aim big. Um, I talk about one, one part of it talks about how, you know, it sounds crazy to think if you have a few thousand dollars that you could actually make a million dollars. But if you break it down, all of my top students and I, we don't make like a million dollars very quickly. It's all on little trades, you know, 2,000 here, 3,000 here. Uh, you know, today I made about 2000 Yesterday I made about 4000 But it adds up over time. So you don't actually aim to make a million dollars on any one trade. You just aim to make a few thousand here or there. You take profits, then on to the next stock. And unfortunately, we, we, you know, we are nearing the uh, the time where, you know, alignments that you're able to give us, I'm just going to uh, try to keep it a little bit longer just for some curiosities on myself. I wanted back with uh, or my original question. Uh, now you said uh, this is just some, I guess, personal background stuff. Now you majored in philosophy. Uh, two two questions on that. Uh, why did you decide to major philosophy, and who was your favorite philosopher? Yeah. So all of my best friends um, and I were finance majors to begin with, but I study finance and business on my own. Like I'm obsessed with it. So when I'm paying, you know, forty thousand dollars a year for college. I wanted to learn something new, and philosophy was so far out of anything that I knew about. I took one class, and I really liked it because it makes you think, you know, just differently. And I think thinking differently is a huge, huge advantage in business and in life, just thinking outside the box. So all of my friends who have the business and finance majors, you know, they all work on Wall Street. They all wear the same suits, and they've done nothing with their lives because they're just bankers. And that's not really cool. For me, I never thought that I would get into actually teaching, but I love trying new stuff. I love seeing where, you know, this is going to take me. I have no idea. I've been to over 100 countries now, too. I, the beauty of this job is that I can, you know, make money from anywhere. So I, I travel a lot. 
Um, and, you know, you ask who my favorite philosophers are. I'm big into the old philosophers, uh, Plato and Aristotle, uh, the allegory of the cave, and, you know, just, just really thinking about how the smartest man is the man who knows that he knows nothing is really just mind-blowing, especially on Wall Street, because on Wall Street, you have to know everything, and you have to, you know, pretend like you know everything and pretend that you're never wrong, and that's just not realistic, and that's why Wall Street, you know, isn't exactly the most honest place to work. Yeah, Kant was, uh, Manuel Kant was uh, my favorite, and I've got a very good friend who's uh, a philosophy professor. Uh, actually, that's how I met him, and then we developed a friendship as well about three or four classes of mine uh, for that. So, yeah, it was just a, kind of a curiosity on that. And one question, because, you know, one of our mainstays uh, on the show is politics, and, of course, you do not have to answer this uh, question, because I certainly don't want to put you in any position, is that, of, of course, we are in election year, and, of course, it's come down to Donald Trump and Hillary. Uh, so for what you're you know, doing and what you're working with, uh, would you, who would you think would be, as I said, if, you, if you'd care to answer it, would be better for, you know, the economy, better for the stock market, better for what you were trying to do uh, between those two? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of different indicators. Again, like for me with, with penny stocks, it's very simple. It's very clear cut. The, the product is good or it's a scam. Uh, so it's very easy for me to make decisions. If you're trying to judge politics, you have to look at all the different indicators. Who's better for, you know, homeland security? Who's better for the economy? Who's better for stability? Who's better for war? Um, so for me, there's too many indicators, and it's, it's like trying to judge, you know, where is Google going to go? Where is Facebook going to go? And I can't do it. So I stick with what I know, and I stick with my penny stocks. I do not try and veer away out of what I know because, frankly, I just don't think that, you know, you can really make a, a hugely educated guess. And if you look at, you know, professional stock pickers and, and professional uh, political guessers, you know, the track record just is, is never really that great because it's just too complex a subject. So I'm fortunate. I get to only trade penny stocks, and that's what I stick to. So I'm sorry that I have to evade your question, but that's, that's the reality of the situation. <laughs> no, you did, uh, I really appreciate uh, your answer. I appreciate your candor. Uh, it was very diplomatic, Tim, <laughs> which I like. Well, I mean, it's just, it's <laughs> so. just realistic. I, I, like, I like being right. I like – you know, having my odds in my side and with politics and big companies, you can just never have the odds, you know, on your side. I'm, I'm winning 74, 75% of the time with my little penny stocks. So that's what I like. I, I'm not a big gambling fan. Like, I don't go to casinos. Um, a lot of people are surprised by that because they're like, what? You, you trade penny stocks. You love gambling. For me, it's, it's very researched, and it's, it's very much about, you know, odds and stats. I don't play games where the odds aren't in my favor. And two, and two quick questions, and then I know you got to go. Uh, one is, you know, as I was reading up a little bit about you, so we hosts do when we have our guests on, is I, I read a quote uh, that you said one time, and I'll be honest, I can't remember which uh, magazine article or whatever it was in. Uh, it says, you enjoy, or you didn't say enjoy, but this is what I gained from it. Uh, you like to, I get to embrace my weirdness. <laughs> you, know, you, you may or may not recall saying that, but you did, at least in this article, they quoted you saying, you know, getting to uh, embrace ball awareness. Would you, do you mind stepping into that a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, I do a lot of press. I, I definitely remember saying that, and it's true. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a weird guy. You know, philosophers are kind of weird people. If you've ever been to a philosophy class, 
Compare the philosophy yes. class to, you know, people in like a business finance class. It's night and day. Um, so I, I like being weird. I like thinking outside the box and being alternative. You know, I've grown my business not just through stock picking and through good research, but through social media. You know, I have nearly a million followers on Instagram. I think I'm, I'm definitely the number one guy on Wall Street on Instagram. And it's not just because it's all about the money. It's because I understand inspiration and motivation. So I'm taking, you know, crazy pictures and, and crazy videos, not just about, you know, ridiculously expensive or luxurious things, but just trying to get people to think and trying to get people to want a better life for themselves. You know, the number one problem is that most people hate their jobs, and they can't quit their jobs because they need money. So they're basically staying at a job that they hate all their lives, drowning in debt, not being happy, never getting out of the rat race, and we need to start to try and change that. So, you know, I would call it a little weird for me to try and do that single-handedly, but it starts with education. So I am the weirdest teacher you will ever meet. And I told this to Larry King uh, a few weeks ago, and, and I said, you know, I have an orange Lamborghini, Larry, right? Like, imagine if your high yeah, school math teacher, uh, imagine if you're a high school math teacher pulled up in an orange Lamborghini every day. You would probably be inspired or offended, whatever the case may be. But most people would be inspired to study math a little bit better because they would want that Lamborghini too. And Larry said, you know, you're, you're right. And that's what it comes down to. I will try anything to get people to study. And so I do. And the last thing uh, is that, is there anything in particular that, you know, for the people listening to the show, both uh, live tonight and then, of course, uh, when they listen to the podcast as well, is there anything that you definitely want them, uh, besides, of course, you know, feel free to plug your websites and things of that nature, uh, that you'd like them to walk away uh, from this interview, this conversation uh, with tonight, or, you know, if they listen on the podcast? Yeah, you know, just that, I mean, I'm an average guy. You can go to timothysites.com. You can look at Timothy Sites on Twitter or Instagram or YouTube and see a ton of photos or videos or tweets and stuff like that. But I am not that special. The only reason that I am successful is because I love my job and I work my ass off at it. And most people don't love their jobs, and because they don't love their jobs, they're not going to go the extra mile. They're not going to be mm-hmm. you know, up at midnight trying to be better. So all I can do is try to encourage you to do what you love and follow your heart. And now I'm not saying quit your job. I'm not saying quit school. I'm saying that in your spare time, start working a little bit towards your dream, whatever it is. If you like penny stocks, if you like collecting insects, if you like writing poetry, it doesn't matter what you love. The old world thinks that you have to be like a doctor or a lawyer or a banker to make a lot of money and then you're financially stable and then you're happy. That's not the case. We live in a great, big, beautiful world in the middle of a a truly technological revolution. And you should learn to utilize that. Go on social media. Use all of these resources on the Internet to increase your education and your knowledge. And if you become an expert at something, anything, and you truly love it and you, you know, use that passion to really fuel your desire to learn and, and fuel your desire to persevere through the ups and downs of your career, eventually you will find something in that field or niche that will make you a lot of money or, and or make you very content because you're doing what you love. And that's all I can try and tell people. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time. 
uh, to be on the show and uh, answer, you know, our questions. And, of course, you know, if you ever like to come back or we ever, ever ask you back, uh, you definitely would be welcome. Cool, man. Well, thank you again for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. And then, uh, you know, keep in touch, and we'll definitely, you know, have you on again. And uh, good luck with you, and perhaps uh, you'll see one of uh, somebody I know, uh, you know, sign on to your website. Oh, yeah, did you want to talk about uh, – give your website though, before you go? Yeah, I mean, just go to timothysykes.com, T-I-M-O-T-H-Y-S-Y-K-E-S.com, and you'll find, you know, 8,000 blog posts. I have 500 free video lessons. So even if you think I'm totally full of BS, you know, you can learn and just see what I'm talking about. Okay, well, you take care, and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll talk again. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. You too. Have a good night. And, folks, uh, definitely check out his website. Uh, as I said earlier, uh, I was definitely interested in, you know, penny stocks. So when I seen uh, the opportunity to, you know, reach out to have uh, Mr. Sykes or Tim on the show, uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to grab on it because it's been something I've been wanting to uh, look at uh, for a long time. So I thought that would be pretty cool. And so also, you know, I've got uh, some people who are like, oh, wow, you know, you've got a hold of uh, – Timothy's like, uh, you know, give me the link. You will want to listen to the show because they're interested as well. So I'm pretty excited about that. And so, James, uh, sorry I didn't uh, be able to get you any questions out, but I, I do, as you know, uh, like to, as much as I can, uh, honor the requests of our guests uh, to keep them in the time frame that we promise that we'll do. Now, of course, you know, sometimes they you know, stay on. Uh, later, and you know, if they can, great. If they cannot, that's understood too. So, you know, I like to keep it that time frame so I wasn't able to get any uh, questions from yourself. So, if you wanted to continue with our discussion earlier about the flag day, which is one there with overpasses uh, for America, of course, uh, now we are down, you know, talking about politics, uh, pretty much down to the two candidates, and that's Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Uh, we'll talk more about that. And, of course, uh, we'll talk more about our uh, goal, and at least mine, and the petition that I've got going out there about Newt Gingrich and getting Newt Gingrich to be the vice presidential pick uh, for Donald Trump. Uh, we're still working on that. I do have a little uh, effort that I'm going to have uh, the listeners here on the show and the people uh, follow me there on Facebook. And speaking of uh, the website, so let's go ahead and give a, a little plug for ours, and that is www.bardslogic.com. PoliticalTalk.com. Uh, just you know, check out the different pages there. Uh, the list of the different guests uh, we've had, and of course, since we are past the bottom of the hour, uh, we do want to hear from our friends from the Patriot Journalist Network. You're not just listening to a show; you're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team, grassroots, conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at PatriotJournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.PatriotJournalist.com. And so now, uh, James, we'll bring things back to you. Uh, go ahead. Well, you know, um, the, you know, the Flag Day thing went over really well. Um, we, of course, have Independence Day coming up here soon. 
And yes, we plan my on favorite doing... summer holiday. Yes. Indeed, indeed. And we basically plan on doing the same thing, uh, you know, for, for Independence Day, just to display a patriotism, uh, you know, not so much the politics of the day, but just to show patriotism and to show them, you know, we love this country and, you know, to spread that feeling around, you know, that, that type of thing is infectious. And when you remind people just exactly what, uh, you know, what America is, I guess, you know, and it, it, uh, it has a profound effect, I believe, in that they'll see that and, and it'll bring back that nostalgic feeling of, of you know, how, how good we felt about things, about America back when things were, when this was a decent country before our government had gone completely corrupt. And then they, you know, they get away from that and they realize that it's not that way anymore. And and at that moment, they're awake. And that's really what we've got to do. We've got to keep pushing to wake up, wake up the people of this country, you know. And and, uh, after July 4th, it's going to be, it's going to be all, all about Hillary, Stop Hillary, stop Hillary, stop Hillary, because we just have got to change people's minds. You know, I'm going to be taking material up on the overpass with me with a list of some, you know, the things that she's done, just so in case I do get some Hillary fans that want to come up there that hopefully they're as ignorant as the rest, so giving them any information will be more information than they had on her to begin with. Uh, Because, honestly... If any of the, if if any of her supporters, well, the ignorant ones, the ignorant ones knew what she had done, I don't think they would support her. The problem is with Hillary, is most of her supporters, I believe, are really in their hearts every bit as evil as she is, and there is no changing their mind. There really isn't. I mean, they sold themselves down the Brimstone River. Uh, you know, uh, along with her, and I, I kind of feel sorry for them. But you know, there's still a lot of people out there that are on the fence. I mean, hopefully, we could convince some Bernie fans that capitalism is better than socialism, and they'll vote for Trump. And uh, you know, or bring a few more that are already saying that they'll rather vote for Trump than they would vote for Hillary, uh, even though they're. You know, he could be here running, mate. <laughs> he will well, be. I, 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 I mean, I could be wrong, but I think he's going to be here running, mate. I, I I suspect you're probably right because other than if she doesn't, she's probably going to lose a third of the Democratic vote to Trump. Uh, which you know, on, on another on another tangent on the Sanders thing, though, uh, the fact that so many of his supporters are willing to vote for a devout cap, uh, capitalist versus a devout socialist tells me that those guys aren't really socialists; they're just fed up. And that's okay. I can deal with that up. Now we just have to teach them the best way to fix it. And, you know, they, they think it's socialism. But if you think about it, you know, I made this observation a few weeks ago, and it kind of been bubbling around in my head, and I hadn't put it into a cohesive thought. But, but think about this. Obama was elected in 2008, went into office in 2009. Here we are almost eight years later. And... It's been it's been going nothing but downhill since he got in office. Well, most of these people that are Bernie Sanders supporters 
are about 18, 20, you know, young, the 25 and under crowd are probably the bulk of his supporters. And they've basically grown up in, in, uh, in under tyranny and a restricted economy. So they don't know. They really don't know the America that we know. They really don't. It's kind of right. a shame. It, it, we've, it's been, it's it an is. injustice done to them that the fact that they have never really gotten to see what America is capable of. They've only seen the worst side of it. And uh, in a way, I pity them, but I understand their frustration. I mean, good grief. They had to, they, they went to school watching their curriculum slowly change to something that's not education anymore. I mean, they're, they, you, know, you know they saw it. And especially as the older they got, uh, you know, they they look at their education and they're not stupid. They realize they weren't being educated, and they are at least at least a good chunk of them. And uh, you know, then they get out to the adult world and they spend all this money or get all these loans to go to college, and they take these liberal arts classes because, well, that's what their counselor suggested they do because it seems like all of education's in on the agenda. And so they take some liberal arts thing that can't get them a job, but they still owe all that money for a job they'll never get for the degree they have. And so, yeah, they're upset because, well, the economy sucks. If the economy were booming, all of those liberal arts degrees would probably have a use. But when people when money is tight, frivolous expenditures disappear. And that's why people that take those types of degrees can't get a job, and that's why they're upset. And they have every right to be upset. They just, we need to teach them why. And that's what our goal is for the rest of the year up until the election is to teach, teach these people why they have to, why they cannot vote for Hillary because they don't know, especially this college crowd, the college students, they don't know. They've never seen America at her best and it's a shame. Oh, no, that's okay. And they kind of went, and I do see some folks on the line. If you'd like to chime in and join our discussion, just push the one on your number dial, and we'll get you into the show. Um, and, and, yes, I mean, you know, all through grade school, and especially the public school system, uh, you know, grade school, high school, and especially college, you know, you've had, uh, you know, saying how bad America was and, you know, all the bad things that, you know, the United States has done and things of that nature. Uh, and then, uh, you know, and then now they're getting told, well, well, you guys are going to have all this college debt, but you know what? You're really not going to. You're going to be able to come out of college, and you're going to be able to get debt-free. And, and, and then Sykes kind of said, you know, who doesn't want to be rich? Who doesn't want to, you know, be debt-free, things of that nature? Uh, but there are. I mean, people were in jobs, you know. I mean, you know, I was a political science major in college. Uh, I'm not, you know, doing a, a job in political science. I'm, I'm working towards something more towards uh, my major, but it's, it's taking, it, it's literally taking years. It's a, taking time. Uh, I wish I had more time to do, uh, you know, doing the penny stock stuff. Cause I mean, I always thought that'd be, Oh yeah, it's kind of cool. You know, invest with the smaller companies and if, if they make it great, but it, you know, try to make, you know, you got to make some money as well. Uh, so, I mean, who knows? I think, uh, definitely going to be some uh, great information there. And unfortunately I don't, to be honest, don't have the time to check it out, but, uh, hopefully, uh, my other will be able to do that. And so, we'll. Uh, oh, I'm just looking at the time. Rumors at the top of the hour. We should be hearing from uh, Kelly uh, calling in for what he's got going on, and then also 
uh, we may be hearing from Jim Condit Jr. Uh, back on the show as well tonight, uh, kind of uh, going over that, and we'll we'll bring them in as well once they uh, they do get here. Uh, but back to that. Now, one of the things I'm uh, working on doing for those who are listening to the show uh, now or the podcast before this Friday is uh, actually I'm actually going to be able to step away from uh, my day job, so to speak, for a couple hours. And uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to call in. I suggest the people on the show who support New Gingrich as the VP uh, to call into uh, the Sean Hannity show. And the reason I'm asking folks to do that is I'm going to, you know, kind of try to promote the petition that we've got going out uh, for that. I mean, the petition was doing well, got over uh, 2,000 signatures uh, in about a month's time, you know, and I think that's pretty good. Uh, But it kind of stalled, unfortunately, after those comments uh, Newt made. You know, it's it's amazing what one or two comments can do uh, to stop momentum. And, of course, we, you know, I'm not going to say which comments they are, but it, you know what we're referring to. And now people are kind of you know, moving more towards, like, a Jeff Sessions, which I still think uh, Gingrich would be the best uh, choice for Trump, be, you know, because of his background, what he could do for Trump. I think Sessions would be better off maybe as a SCOTUS pick or something of that nature. But anyway, so I'll be calling into the Sean Hannity show uh, to promote – our uh, petition, and what I ask is for those who are listening who uh, also support Gingrich as the VP pick is to call in too. Uh, we did this back in 2012, uh, where when we were looking to get a, a broker convention, let me tell you a little bit of a story. Is um, I don't know if, uh, if I called into the uh, I'm not uh, called into uh, I'm having a brain freeze. Got the face, but not the name. Uh, this is what happens when you skip dinner, folks. And I know when you talk about uh, the Rush Limbaugh show, I tell you what, it was a Friday, open line Friday. And I, was, I, I called it to the Rush Limbaugh show for something. And just, I, I was on the whole, I was on hold uh, the whole, uh, for an hour and a half, maybe two hours, and, and didn't get in. And people were calling, you know, asking about something about either something that Romney did. I, I can't remember what it was. Uh, but we had a campaign for folks to call in uh, to the Rush Limbaugh show. Now, this is four years ago, folks, so that's, that's why I can't really remember exactly what it was. Now, here's the ironic thing. For all those who have listened to Rush Limbaugh, okay, for all those who have li- uh, listened to Rush Limbaugh, in the entire three hours, okay, on that show, he only took, like, two callers, uh, one guy who – called just to kiss his butt for a little while, and the other guy just, uh, you know, I don't know what he was even talking about, to be honest. But in the whole three hours, Rush Limbaugh on an open line Friday took two callers the entire show. Now, do I think that, you know, he only took two callers on the entire show because, you know, Robert Jetter Jr. was on the line wanting to talk to him about, yeah, as I said, I can't remember what it was, but I think what it was is that not just me, but a whole slew of folks called in, you know, to ask the same very question. I'm kicking myself in the backside, not realizing, you know, remembering what it was. But that just shows that, you know, these kind of things can happen. You know, we can, you know, kind of get some influence in there. Unfortunately, they they, they halted us, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, by only having two people on the show, but – but, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, you can make an impact, and you definitely know that uh, with what you're doing, James. 
And so what I ask for the people is to, you know, get on Sean Hannity, and if he gets you in, talk, tell him why you want uh, Newt Gingrich to be the VP uh, for, you know, Trump. And, and mention our, uh, our, our petition. And our petition, you know, say, hey, you know, because we know that, you know, Sean Hannity is already on his, you know, show, on his TV show, said that he thinks he, he agrees with us. He, I mean, or at least me and the people who agree with me. I mean, he agrees with us that Newt Gingrich would be the best pick for his VP. He said it on his on his uh, TV show, and he keeps asking uh, Newt about it. So I you think know, if we can all call in, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say real quick. I just real quick. You know, I don't even know uh, which. I don't. I quit. Got so sick and tired of the uh, uh, talking heads. Just trashing Trump all the time that I quit listening to him. Are there any of them out there mm-hmm. that actually support him now or, you know, or what? I mean, of course, you know, everybody knows Glenn Beck's position on things. But, oh, uh, certainly. But, He's a uh, dork. But, um, but, yeah, which of, the, which of the pundits out there actually support Trump? Well, and, and, no, as I said, uh, we, we definitely know that uh, Glenn Beck, and I think he's lost it. I mean, I really think he's lost yeah, his mind. Yeah, literally, um, yeah. I think he ate too many of his seeds. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, he's always trying to sell those emergency seeds and stuff like that. So, But anyway, uh, him and then you have um, the ones who do, I mean, because it's, it's too much to name the ones who don't. But the one who's on the top of the list, I, I mean, he's always pretty, I mean, he's always had, uh, Trump on his show, you know, was always respectful to him. And that was Sean Hannity. And, and Hannity was kind of like that. Hannity was the last person in 2012 that ticked me off in, in their coverage of Newt Gingrich in 2012. He was the last one who really, and I, and I think his network came to him and said, look, you need to get up, you, can, you need to get on the Romney bandwagon or, or else. I really do. Um, so unfortunately, he was the last of the, those Fox uh, News commentators, I think, to fall to that. Uh, the first one was Bill O'Reilly. Now, I think Bill O'Reilly and uh, a couple others, eh, they're, they're not that, uh, they're, they're wishy-washy. You know, they, they are. Um, and then you have, but I, I'd say Rush Limbaugh, Limbaugh, Limbaugh I mean, and he's kind of, he's not as strong of a supporter. I, I mean, I'll be honest, I really stopped listening to, you know, as you pointed out, those talking heads. Uh, pretty much in 2012. The only reason why I've been listening to him lately is uh, CNN has become the Clinton News Network, pretty much. Uh, and then you have, you know, and I've been listening to his, you know, some talk radio just to hear what they're up to uh, with Trump. Uh, but then there's Mark Levin. He's awful. I mean, he, he hates Trump. I mean, he absolutely I, hates him. Well, uh, now, I just put out an article. Because he was... He's such an intelligent man. It's a shame. I don't know where his brains went. He somehow thinks that Trump is going to, like, be some kind of dictator or something like that. I I don't know. I don't know where they get that from. Nothing in his career, (laughs) nothing in his history would indicate that he's that type of person. Nothing. Oh, I've had some people say he's a narcissist and, you know, oh, he's – you know, and, and then I had another friend. I mean, I I stopped talking and unfortunately maybe lost some friendships due to my support of Trump. And I, you know, I've had people like, oh, well, I know you're all about Trump. No, I'm all about beating Hillary Clinton. And Hillary and exactly. Donald Trump, of all those people who was on – Donald Trump, of all the people that was on that stand, 
has the best shot of beating Hillary Clinton because he could take some of those blue states and turn them red. You know, that's one of the reasons why I was such a, you know, I supported Trump. And so then that's why I'm pushing so hard to have someone like Newt Gingrich be his running mate, because for the parts where, you know, we're not too sure about Donald Trump, we'll have somebody such as Newt, you know, to kind of, you know, remind them of, hey, this is what conservatism is. Uh, and so, you know, advise them things of that nature. Uh, but anyway, well, real quick, I'm... before we bring Cindy on, uh, get, go ahead, James, and then I'm going to give the uh, the website for people to call in to Sean Hannity if they can on uh, – and what I'm going to do Thursday night and Friday before I do it is I'm going to post Sean Hannity's phone number, uh, call-in number, with the link uh, to our petition so people can call in um, and, you know, try to get uh, the website address to the petition on Sean Hannity. Uh, so go ahead, James. And that website, real quick, is www.standunited.org backslash petition backslash Gingrich dash four dash Trump Trump's dash VP. That's the website, www.standunited.org backslash petition backslash Gingrich slash or dash whatever you want to call it for another dash Trump's Another dash of VP. Go ahead, James. You know, I don't remember what I was going to say. I was just going to toss in a comment. But oh. it's a <laughs> I'm so sorry, James. I should have done oh, that. No, I just wanted to make fine. sure I got that out. Yeah, yeah no, no, it's fine. Well, if you it remember it, or interrupt me. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, it's no problem. It was just it was something that popped into my head, and, and now it's just gone. <laughs> okay. And I want to thank uh, Debbie, who uh, I've seen in the chat, uh, she's uh, since uh, left us, uh, but I do want to thank uh, Debbie for uh, visiting our our chat room, uh, and so and you know logging in things of that nature. And so let's go ahead and bring in Cindy. Uh, thank you very much, Cindy, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Well, I'm I'm doing pretty good. And hi, James. I missed you last time, so I'm glad to be able to talk to you tonight. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing all right, you? Pretty good, pretty good. <laughs> um, listen, I'm, I've been looking around. I think that the um, overpasses group that we had going here in Volusia County has shut down their Facebook page, I do believe. Um, and I'm wondering how I, – I see that Carol Bush is still in charge of overpasses Florida, right? Yeah, we uh, we closed down all those little subgroups. It was just making communication just difficult, and most of them weren't doing anything. They'd all moved to the main group. So, okay. but yeah, Car- Carol still is, and I don't know for sure if Carol's promoted. Uh, look up, uh, there's a, a CC in there that's real active, and uh, – I think she's going to be an assistant admin there in Florida, but don't quote me on that. So, um, <laughs> but, okay. um, but no, if you wanted well, to, I... uh, if you wanted to get something going again, just get with like CC or get with Carol. Um, but yeah, we just shut all the little subgroups down because it was just taking, uh, it was just taking so much effort and to, yeah. to keep all the communication going. It was just, you know, yeah, I understand that. But now, will she have the old names? Because some of them I'm Facebook friends with, um, and so I can find them, uh, you know, to try to get a group together. I'm thinking of the 4th of July. 
Um, but she would know the rest that I don't have any communication with, right, that we're on our site. Um, you know, I'm not sure what, you know, I pretty much leave Florida up to Carol. You know, I don't get in there and dig into the details of everything she's doing, so I'm not sure if she's still got the old group still together and it's just not doing anything or, or how she's got that set up. So you, you, need, you need to get with her. I try to run. Okay. I try to let the. I try to let the organization run, pretty much like the the nation was supposed to, you know, where the mm-hmm. where the state the states do all. You know, the states have everything's in the states, and I'm just here to help. You know? Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, you gave you me know, my answer, so I'm just going to go contact Carol first yeah. off, and C- uh, we'll CC go. CC or CC or Carol. Um, you know, either one of either one would be fine. I know. I know. Uh, Carol has been a little under the weather lately, and Aww. so that's why I, I, I tried to find her some help with uh, with Cece. So. All right. Um, well, I'll I'll contact Cece then. Um, Cece Naples, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I've been working. Okay. I've been working with Cece for over a year now on a different project that involving overpasses, but uh, you know, it was a different project and and. Uh, extremely reliable and totally trustworthy. So I was like, well, shoot. Uh, I think, you know, it's perfect, okay. <laughs> per, per, perfect, perfect person that she needs to be helping her run that state. So, and, uh, so yeah, hopefully that'll, that'll pan out, but that's up to Carol. I'm not saying okay. that CC, you know, that's all up to Carol. I just made a suggestion for her. <laughs> okay. That's fine. I, I got a place to start. That's good. So, um, well, now, Robert, you had um, – oh, shoot, I've already forgotten his name. <laughs> the Tim guy with Tim the stock. Yeah. Tim Sykes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't really understand stocks, I, and I don't – and I was not able to get on while he was speaking. So um, I don't know if maybe someone here can help me, but – and if someone else is out there listening to this that's kind of um, stock stupid like me, um, how do you can you do penny stock business by yourself, or do you need some kind of um, a license to you know to pick up those stocks? Do you have to go through a broker? What? How did he begin, and how do you how do you get into that? When you have not uh, been, see, I wish you would have, wish you could have called in earlier. Uh, then you could have actually, you, know, you could have asked him the questions directly. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I wish we could have done that. Uh, but you know, be that as may, he, he did have limited time. Um, or be, be that as it may, that that's a good question. Uh, now you you can buy and you don't have to be. You could buy and sell stocks uh, for yourself. You know, you, I mean, you're not the one who actually puts the buying. You don't you you don't do actually the actual buying and selling. You're basically telling, you know, someplace like an E-Trade or something of that nature that you want to make a purchase or you want to make a um, – or you want to sell the stock, and they'll, for a fee, will do that for you. Yeah, that's what I was afraid so of, you're, for a fee. <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, you yourself don't have to do that, but there's a generally a fee uh, associated with having to do that. Yeah, there's like, there's a, like a fee per trade, something of that nature. Okay. Well, now, um, to ask James, for the 4th of July, what do you think the best signage would be? What's, what's our main message or maybe a side message that we ought to 
include up there on the interstate? Um, you know, I mean, I think about the only thing I was really planning on taking was just a couple of honk for America signs. And, uh, you know, oops, I'm sorry. I hit the button there. <laughs> I try to keep, uh, I, tr- I try to keep Independence Day just kind of politics free, you know, just celebrate the day for what it is and remember that it may be the last one if we get Hillary in office. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, so. So I guess I guess with that said, if I were going to have a side, you know, any sort of side message, it would be, you know, grief if you love me, if you love America, stop Hillary. Um, uh-huh. Okay. You know, that would be that would be what I would suggest. But you know, it's just, gosh, you know, we've like I said, typically on on Independence Day, I've stayed away over the last three years, stayed away from you know doing politics on it. So. Um, it's up. It's up to you, though. It's up to you. Stay away you from to, politics. You, you, I'm just kidding. Yeah, just yeah. for a day. For a day. Oh my gosh, it's my one day <laughs> off. You know, of the whole year. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I'm just joking. I mean, God. Yeah, yeah. It's like I have people give me give me grief for watching the NFL. It's like, oh my gosh, I watch a whole 16 games of the whole season and I don't watch any other TV for the whole rest of the year and I'm bad. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Well, I've, got, I've, got my, 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 I've got my one show that I watch and, and sometimes it's two if they're on at the same time, but go ahead. Well, y'all need to watch Ninja Warriors um, on the 20th of June, Channel 2, or excuse me, NBC. And uh, that is uh, starts at seven o'clock Eastern Standard, I believe. You might want to check your um, viewing Local for that. Listing. My daughter, <laughs> my daughter, might she competed in that, and I don't know whether they'll have her oh. on or not. But well, she's, she's there. Okay. Well, I'll take it out. Well, what, what, what what time on what what day is that on? It's um, well, it's June twentieth. You say the twentieth. That would yeah. be oh, it's a Monday. Um, next, oh, next this, this Monday. is coming up Monday. Yeah, this yes, is coming up Monday. Monday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, anyway. I I may be able to watch that. I don't have to work late that night. Okay. Well, I I believe it's seven o'clock. Well, you know what? what? I don't know. She she has well, a central time, so I'm. She said seven to nine. I wonder. I don't know if she meant her time, and in, in Texas or my time here in Florida. So you have to look at that. What? I have never watched that show, but I guess this is as good a reason as any to give it a look. So <laughs> her name her name is Joy her name is Joy Strickland though. Don't look for Todd. Okay. Her okay. Name is Joy Joy Strickland. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've seen the previews for it. I just I've never actually just watched it because I just I don't hardly ever watch television. So you know. Yeah. Just one of those things. <laughs> well, you know they're funny about who they choose. Um, I'll give you all a little upfront on this. No woman made it past the third obstacle, and I it, it is because they just don't have long enough legs for what the obstacle was. So, um, oh. yeah, it was really weird. Not a single woman out of all the women, that, even that Casey Catanzaro, who's supposed to be so famous, she was like the first woman to make it up the warp wall and all that. Uh, she didn't even get past there. Um, so, um, you know, it, it was just one of those times. 
so because everyone's bunched up on that one obstacle, uh, I don't, they'll choose whoever's story they like best um, and put them on. I know they'll show Casey's story and they'll go, oh, poor Casey. And they probably, I'll have to ask my daughter, she's out in Las Vegas right now. They asked her to go out there and be a tester for the obstacles at the finals, at the Las Vegas finals. And that show will air later on. Yeah, that show will add uh, will run later on. You won't see her there though, because she she did all the testing yesterday and today. But anyway, um, Casey, there's a they have a, um, a, a a few spots for wild cards, like people who didn't make it into the finals, but they have a popular name and a following, and so they invite them in. So Casey Catanzaro might be going for that um but basically so so i'm sure they'll show her um and they might show my daughter if they do she's the one that has the story where she's um she's on a a ranch in texas and she has a little boy and you know you'll see her doing stuff on the forklift and stuff like that (laughs) they like that (laughs) but anyway um Hope she's on there because she's so cute. Well, yeah, with, with, with text, yeah, text me Monday. Uh, yeah, text me Monday as a reminder uh, to do that because okay. you know, I, right. unfortunately, I may uh, forget. Now it looks like we are almost towards uh, 50 minutes after the hour, um, and I got a report that Susan and you may be may or may or not be aware of this uh, that Susan brought to my attention today. I've been so focused on, you know, but a bit honestly about, you know, today's show with our guest and then also, you know, with, uh, you know, my efforts uh, towards getting out the word about Gingers being uh, Newt's VP. Uh, and so, uh, but anyway, so I've been working, uh, you know, a lot on that. So, but one thing she brought to my attention, it appears that the Senate has passed a bill today that is going to, uh, require female citizens age 18 to 26 uh, into selective service. They have to sign up for a selective service. Now, uh, it still has to go through the House, through my understanding, and let me go ahead and read an article uh, that I found on it. It says, the, se- the Senate made history Tuesday by passing a $602 billion defense bill that crucially includes an amendment requiring women to register for the draft, these bastards. Anyway, that was my input, not theirs. Uh, the bill is suppo- well, uh, supported by both Republicans. Regi- wait, wait, wait. Not even yeah, men we, have to register right now, do they? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, I had to like announce you're 18, you're 18, I'm too old now, to so I don't have to worry about it. Yes. Yeah, now, now, yeah, now yeah. women might have yeah, to. Yeah, if you don't, uh, what is it? If you don't, if you don't register within six months, they can actually give you criminal penalties if they feel like it. Right. Okay. So has the house passed this also? No. Uh, no, it's still have okay. to go to the house, and, so, and and the article continues. Let me let me go through the okay. article, and then we can go, go uh, through that. So the bill is supposed. Uh, I'm a lot. Some of the stuff I'm reading in this article is, is going to be new news to me. Uh, too, because I said I, I haven't really followed it much today, but we have it on here. Uh, it says the bill is supported by both Republicans and Democrats and expands military selective service requirements to 
female citizens aged 18 to 26. It could be implemented as early as 2018. The Senate voted 85 to 13 to pass the National Defense Authorization Act, NDAA, folks, uh, which included the critical provision for women. Not registering with Selective Service could stop women from accessing federal financial aid, such as Pell Grant, such as Pell Grants. Supporters of women serving in combat roles are calling the bill major steps towards for, for women's participation in the military. Dumbasses, excuse me. But anyway, and we're not even bars logic after dark yet. This really ticks me off. Uh, and I'm not a sexist. I just think that, you know, anyway. Currently, the Selective Service requirement applies to all male U.S. citizens and male immigrants who are 18 through 25. Now, why the hell does that make women 18 through 26? Mm-hmm. It's, it is illegal, as, as you pointed out, James. It is illegal not to register and can impact young men seeking federal employment or student loans. Some Republican senators, and this is, uh, listen to who this is, some Republican senators protested the inclusion of the measure. Senator Ted Cruz, Republican Texas, and this is one of the reasons why I think being in the Senate right now is the best place for Ted Cruz, called it a radical departure from American history. The idea that we should forcibly conscript young girls into combat, to my mind, makes little or no sense, he said, later adding, it is being used as a vehicle to further agendas that have nothing to do with actually defending America. Despite the many laudable objectives in this bill, I could not in good conscience vote to draft our daughters in the military. You go, Ted. So I don't care what people say about him. He's right on this. Sending them off to war, and for, at least in my opinion, he's right on this. Sending them to, to go off to war and forcing them into combat. Supporters include Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Good, does that surprise anybody? Uh, Republican yeah. Kentucky. And Senator Jack Ass, I mean, John McCain, uh, Republican Arizona, Chairman of the Armed Services Committee. When are they going to put that guy out pasture? And I mean, retire him, folks. Uh, McCain called including women in the draft simply fair, dumbass. Boy, I'm really going off here, but I, oh well, that's just how I feel about it at this point. Since the Pentagon has opened all military roles for women, McCain was a Navy, Naval Navigator, navigate, navigate, gosh damn, I can't get it out, aviator, and pres- I'm just getting tongue tied because I'm getting more upset the more I read this thing. It was a Naval aviator and prisoner of war during the Vietnam War. Every uniformed leader of the United States military seems to have a different opinion from the senator from Texas whose military background is not extensive, McCain said in a pointed jab at Cruz's lack of military experience. The Senate bill still needs to go through a reconciliation process with a different House version of the legislation. The House of Representatives may bring Congress to a standstill and stall the process. The House has originally included the provision in their underlying military spending bill after Republican uh, Representative Duncan Hunter, Republican California, included it to make a point against women serving in combat roles. Hunter ended up voting against his own amendment. According to the Washington Post, his gamble that committee members would shy away from forcing women into the draft backfired when a slim majority, including five Republicans, opted to endorse the measure measure by a vote of 32 to 30. The provision passed in the committee, but the provision was stripped out 
by uh, stripped out of the bill by Representative Pete Sessions, Republican Texas, and the House Rules Committee before it went to the floor. I regretfully introduced this amendment, Hunter said. At the time he introduced it, my daughter talked about serving, my son's about serving, and I don't want to put my daughters in a place where they have to get drafted. Uh, the White House has threatened to veto the defense bill due to other provisions that the administrative administration's Office of Management and Budget called attempts to micromanage the Department of Defense. However, the overwhelming number of senators who approved the bill would be more than enough to override a veto. As the House and Senate debate how to move forward with legislation in conference committee, Exeter said that the change is coming one way or another. I think the change is inevitable, Nora Benchahel, a military policy analyst at America's University School of International Service, told the New York Times, whether in this debate or through the courts, it just seems that now that you have women allowed to serve in any position in the military, there's no logical basis to say women shouldn't be drafted. When all military roles open to women, the Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Robert Neller, and Chief of Staff of the Army, General Mark Miley, voiced their support for the inclusion of women in selective service. The U.S. Marine Corps had opposed to opening a certain combat specialization to women. And the article goes on, oh, not for too much more. And then uh, it says, drafting women has been a contentious issue due to psychological or physiological difference between men and women. Penny Nance, spokesman of the Concerned Women for America, wrote in a statement, John McCain and Mitch McConnell and other senators think your daughters should be drafted into combat. We have gone from debating whether or not women should serve in combat to advocating that they should be forced to serve in combat. Leadership should know better than to disregard basic biology in order to embrace political correctness. She added, our military's sole purpose is to protect our nation, not to serve as the administration's laboratory for social engineering. Take childbearing years for women. Think about this, Cindy. I want you to, I want you to pine in on this, okay? Because uh, I know that this might be right within your purview. Peak childbearing oh, years for women continue to be cited. Yep. Peak childbearing years for women continue to be cited at 20 to 35, an age range in line with the 18 to 26 age group affected by this policy that ignores basic biology. We firmly believe in the equality of men and women, but that does not require us to ignore the physical differences and unique risks to women in combat, particularly in the case of capture. You know, we know what she's uh, referring to there, don't we, folks? Nancy stressed that the discussion should resolve around combat readiness, efficiency, and national security in weeding through applicants that are overwhelmingly biologically unable to meet combat standards. It would be a logical nightmare or logistical nightmare that would force the lowering of combat standards. She cited radical Islamic terror as the nation's greatest security threat right now, which raises the specter of American women captured. The torture, repeated rape, and humiliation that women uh, that would face women's female POWs would be unthinkable. Women who understand these risks, who bravely choose to serve regardless, are different from women who are chosen to serve based on the day they were born. Nancy wrote. Cindy, go ahead. Well, I tell you what. I thank the Lord that my daughters are past that age group, and they already have children. 
but if they were in that age group and my government tried to um, draft them, I'd be hiding their butts. They'd be out somewhere in the boonies hiding. Um, They do the the Canadian thing like um, Muhammad Ali or something because I'm sorry, but only the women who know in their minds that they're tough enough for that kind of thing could even come close to being any kind of a soldier. Um, you force a woman. I mean, just can you just imagine? I, what, all right, Robert, your wife is a very small, little frail kind of looking girl. Can you imagine putting a gun in your wife's hand and telling her she's got to go shoot somebody? Or, and she not even never even mention that she's got to go to boot camp. And she's got to be punched, and she's got to learn how to punch back and wrestle and do all kinds of hand-to-hand combat crap. And then she's going to have to learn how to shoot. And when she shoots a gun that's made for a man, she's going to fly back on her butt, okay? And the thing is, you can't take a woman who's – you're going to take a woman who's like the minute she hears a gunfire over her head – She's going to start crying and cowering down. And then what are you going to do? You going to court-martial her because she's too afraid? I mean, I'm sorry, but you cannot expect a woman to have the same level of courage and physical and mental stamina that a man has. That is just one of our differences. God made us that way because our job is to nurture We are not the warriors. The men are the warriors. We are the nurturers. And some of us have big, fat mouths for political activism. But (laughs) I I personally could not have um, – I consider myself a pretty tough person physically. I was an athlete. I was at the top. I was a world champion. had world records. And I was very strong and – Mentally tough when it came to competing. Mentally tough for killing someone? No. Mentally tough for taking um, a, a, um, a POW camp, being repeatedly raped and tortured? No. Sorry, I'm not there. And I'm sure there's a lot of guys who don't think they are either. But, I mean, nobody's suited for torture at a POW camp. But women are much more vulnerable to that kind of thing. There is just no way in this world that women should be forced to go there. Um, The women who just feel like they can do it and and they feel like they're mentally tough enough and physically tough enough to go do it, fine. I'll give them plenty of permission. Go ahead if that's the way you want to. Yeah, volunteer, right. Right. As forcing them, I'm sorry, but women were not made for combat, period. And all the things that Ted Cruz said is exactly right. And what do you think about, uh, one one thing I found fascinating about the article and the point that was, uh, you know, made up is the point where 
I mean, these are the, you know, these are the childbearing, you know, maybe not the 18 to early 20s or something, but, you know, but these are the early childbearing years. These are the childbearing years of, of women. I mean, let's say there was to be a draft thing being as they are. Well, what are we going to do? Lower our population? Here, here's a scenario. What are we going to do? Lower our uh, indigenous population even more by having our, not only our men being out there and being killed, now we're going to have our women, our child bears out there getting killed. So now our replacement rate is going to get even lower than it already is. And so now what well, we're going to have to do? Well, question. now we're going to have to open up the floodgates and let even more immigrants in to keep our try to keep our population mm-hmm. stable. Exactly. I mean, I know that's well, a far cry and things of that nature, but I wonder well, if it's by design. Here's well, two things that have. Uh, it is by design. The uh... You know, and I hate to say it because it sounds horribly racist, but the problem is, is I'm not the racist one. It's the people that are doing it. But there is a concerted effort going on around this planet. Uh, and it, one of them works at the University of Texas, and he's the founder of La Raza, and that is to wipe out the white race. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you period. Whether through, through 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 war or in murder or just breeding us out of existence, so I mean, it, it, it'd be one thing if it were a naturally occurring effect because of international travel and my and and, and immigration, you know, whatever or legal immigration, legal immigration. It would be one thing if that were what the case were, would be because uh, I was reading something on. Uh, Oh gosh, I think it was like Discover Discovery Channel's website that said in about 400 years, you know, assuming no calamities strike the planet, we'll all pretty much look like Brazilians. Well, okay, that's fine if that's the natural course of events that that you know that that hap- that happens. I don't have any issue with that. But what I do have an issue with is people that have a uh, have a problem with people because of the level of was it melanin in your skin? I don't have a problem with somebody that, you know, is brown or black or yellow or anything else. And and so I just don't understand what this concerted effort and growing effort seems to be to wipe out Caucasians. I mean, good grief. Uh, I know I certainly didn't do anything to anybody to, to, to warrant somebody having that sort of hatred towards me. And I, and, uh, you know, it it just it's it, it's all more that divide and conquer nonsense we've been dealing with in turbo drive since uh, since Obama was elected, and um, you know it's just it's a it, I don't know it's just it's just kind of sad. It's like if 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 we could get rid of about three thousand very powerful people on this planet. The other six and a half billion of us would be far better off, and that's a sad thing to say. I think it's jealousy. I think the the nations that want to destroy us are the nations that are jealous of us because there's two things about the Caucasian nations. They've been the ones who, by and large, are inventing things. They have been educated more than any other races. They have made more money and are more successful, live at a higher level of living. Um, Why? Probably because of God's blessings, because in the past we have been considered Christendom. The Caucasian Caucasian nations have been called 
uh, considered Christendom. Um, and they are, by and large, Christian. And I believe that there is a special blessing of God on the Caucasian races because of that. That's not to say that no other uh, peoples have been Christians because we know that there's probably just as many Chinese Christians right now as there are American uh, Christians. Um, so, <clears throat> And I'm sure they're tougher and more... Uh, committed Christians too. But anyway Boy, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. they've got a yeah. task over there. <laughs> yeah, well and and Korean Christians, all the, the Indo Chinese Christians, uh, you know well, there's a lot all of Latin American uh Christians there are Latin Christians too now. <clears throat> I think that's yeah. one of the reasons why the Pope especially Catholics, I think that's one of the reasons why the Pope is really pushing uh for us to open up our borders to them. Well Well anyway, I think that that's go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say the other the other reason is that he's just another globalist tool. I mean, I'm Catholic, Robert. You got to understand. I, I I wandered around this planet for you know this country for decades looking for the truth. I was agnostic. I tried being atheist. That didn't work out so well. Uh, just couldn't you know couldn't just didn't work. I even was a practicing Buddhist for two years, all in my search for the truth. And when Benedict was Pope, I was I, I went through the RCIA classes and was confirmed a Catholic, and I actually felt like I you know I don't know it felt right it felt right every time I'd go to mass I just I got a feeling there that I never got in any other church service, and I'm not saying that the truth doesn't exist in other places, but for me, it was it was what finally made it really fun, you know click I mean it really locked in, and. Uh, then Francis came in and, and I, you know, before he was ever even uh, made Pope, I'm reading things about the man that, that, oh my gosh, I mean, just drew serious questions about this liberation theology that, that he believes in. And, and then, uh, uh, and then he becomes Pope. And, and one of the first things he does when he's Pope is, he lets Satanists come in and perform their rituals in the Vatican, and I'm talking about Muslims. Uh, I'm sorry, but if you thought the Vatican was a holy place, it's not anymore because you let those people in there. And I don't care what people say about my opinion of Islam. It's my opinion, and I have my right to it. And I think that the only way you'll ever fix the Vatican now is to burn it to the ground because it's been it's – been, well, cursed, defiled, however you want to look at it. But because they let that happen in there, it's no longer a holy place. It probably really hasn't been for a while. There's been a lot of problems with the Vatican for a long while. I'm not stupid enough to not admit that. Um, but, you know, and, but then, you know, with his, with his open borders policy and, and his redistribution economic beliefs and then the fact that mm -hmm. uh, one, one of his top advisors is an, is an atheist that wants to depopulate the planet to 500,000 people. And here's the other thing. And, and so, oh, I, I hate that. Let me, oh, go ahead, and then I'll, then I'll chime in. Go well, ahead. I, was, I was just going to say it's, it's all just part of this whole agenda and and the pope is part of it and i i'm guessing that he must be vying with the nwo people to have catholicism end up being the one world religion um you know which if that happened organically that hoping. would be one thing yeah if it That's happened organically that, that, would, that would be one thing but this forcing the agenda of the of the 
1% of the 1% upon the rest of us is got to come to an end. It has it has got to come to an end by whatever means necessary. Hello, NSA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you, it, historically, the Caucasian or the white races mostly uh, have been tough races. I mean, you look at you know your your um, uh. Your Scandinavians, you know, the Viking type people, you the the um, Anglicans, the Saxons, the French. I mean, these were the Germans have been very hardy, very um, um, <laughs> uh, macho races as far as the men was, were concerned. Um, very good in war, very tough people. They lived under conditions that required them to be tough. Um, their women were were tough too, um, and so it it disturbs me to see how the white races have have uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They have made us a race of mamby pamby mama boys, and and you know we we just have no toughness left in us we have no fight left in us um and 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 here's the thing the the very people who want to take over the world your new world order type i want to know how they how do they propose to reduce the population um, you know, back to like what well, I think some of them are the most of them are saying they want the population of the world to be one billion. Um, well, how do they expect to reduce the population down to one billion? Are they just willing to? I mean, because these are basically white people um, and some yellow people that are making these plans. I think there's a lot of Chinese, a lot of Russians, a lot of uh, Europeans. Um, and uh, uh, Americans, uh, Canadians, these are the ones that are at the top of the pile. They're at the top of the oligarchy who seem to be the movers and shakers of the New World Order trying to implement all their plans. And, boy, they do have plans. Um, So being as they're white and their race is on the down uh, the down course we're we're you know we're not having babies anymore we're killing all our babies in the womb or we're just not having them because you know, we're we're just doing the birth control thing so that you know women can continue on with their careers and whatever other selfish practices they would like to do not that that's totally selfish but um to not procreate is like against god's of things. I mean, that's what marriage is for. It's for procreation. And uh, if you want to see the white race continue, then there ought to be some procreating going on. Um, so it's really weird that these people that are at the top who are the white people or the Chinese, and yet they're the ones so hell-bent on killing their people and stopping their population. Um, so well, either, so what do you expect e- to do e- with all these 
you know, it's the Arabs and the Africans who are who are just absolutely proliferating. So what are you going to mm-hmm. do with them when they overtake you? Are you going to just start nuking whole nations? What are you going to do? Well, and I, I sometimes wonder though if they're not pushing uh if they're not pushing and pushing and pushing the nations that have all the nuclear weapons into popping their cork and starting a nuclear war. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Ima- imagine that- if, if, if ISIS were to get a hold of a, a nuke and, and, I don't know, let's just say, you know, detonated it in Dresden, just for example, just because the city got firebombed so bad in World War II, it's what popped into mind. But, uh, you know, imagine if they did that. You know, all of a sudden you wake up in the morning and you find out that Dresden is no longer in existence because ISIS has, has nuked it. Well, by the time you woke up, there probably would have at least been tactical nukes flying. And it's just going to accelerate from there. Um, you know, one, uh, it's just, I, I think they're trying to sow so much chaos that, it will it will just end up being uh, what kills all the people. There will just be wars with, well, war, war and famine and, um, you know, just, just everything. You know, when you get war and famine, you get sickness, you get disease and, and things like that. And um, I just get the feeling that uh, that's really what it is. It's all about sowing chaos. And and however we end up uh, lowering our population, it really isn't a concern to them, I don't think. And I don't think the the race issue is as issue as any sort of issue with them, just as so much as it is for power. And I think that's really what their end game is: is power. And it doesn't matter who they have the power over, as long as they do. Now. Um, you know, one one you know one thing attack you could take on it is that the reason that uh, they're surging into Europe and beginning to surge in over here and starting to kill us off is well, like you were saying earlier about education. You know, the first world nations obviously have higher education; the citizens do, and so we're a little more likely to well notice when things are wrong and. Um, you know, if you have these ignorant people, and what is it they said? Like ninety percent of the Taliban are completely illiter- illiterate, so they don't even know if what they're being told in the Quran is actually what's in the Quran. And mm-hmm. and who's easier to control, an, an educated population or or an ignorant, uneducated population? And it's the uneducated populations the easiest to control because you can pure propaganda works on them. They don't know any better. And so I, I sometimes I think maybe that's, that's what it is. You know, the, the easier people to control are the less educated and where are the less educated? Well, everywhere, but the first world, and that'd be Europe and Russia and the United States pretty much. I mean, China of course is much better at it now, but I mean, you get the idea all the first world, Mm-hmm. Nations are are the ones being targeted. Uh, they're all the ones being targeted. And other than that, I can't think of uh, I can't think of why they would have done it like they are, except for the ignorant or even more easily to control. Well, that's absolutely true. 
um, the, everything they do is pointing to that fact that they're trying to get control. But, you know, you and I and, and most people know enough about the book of the Revelation to know that exactly that does happen, that we lose in stages, we lose uh, a third of the population, then a quarter of that population, and then it goes down from there. And, and pretty soon there's, there's very, uh, very few people left on the earth at the time that Jesus is supposed to um, put his feet on the Mount of Olives. So, um, you know, it, when you look at what's happening and you look at what the Bible says, you're, you're, all you can do is just say, well, uh, glory be to God, it's happening. But what a shame that our country, which could have been the shining light on the hill, it could have been the, the nation to, you know, bring Christ uh, um, to the forefront and, and, you know, and make this a, a a world once again where you could call it Christendom, one where people didn't go around forcing people to be Christian, but they would speak rationally um, and and uh, use rationalization to um, uh, win people to the Lord. So, you know, I I, I want to say. You know, surely we can stop it, but when I read the Bible, I say it's not going to be. Eventually, it's going to happen. That's it's just going to happen the way the Bible said it. Um, you know, I'd well, like I to... have a different spin on it. What if uh, it's not for the United States uh, to in, in, in league with the Vatican? Maybe the goal isn't to lessen the population so that we can have a world of Christendom. But what if it's the exact opposite? And I'm not saying, you know, the the devil or whatever, you know. But instead of that, to turn it into Islam. Well, that's instead, not how Instead the Bible, of having – well, think Bible. about it. A world – think about it. A yeah. world caliphate. Would fit more, would be more controllable than Christians. I mean, Christians are known rebels. I mean, they Except are. Christians are known rebels, right? And but yeah. you know, if you have a caliphate, they're not. They go on, you know, they bow down under their, you know, religious leaders. Christians don't really do that. I mean, they 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 seek, you know, sage advice from you know their their you know religious heads, but they don't, you know tower under them as if they're some kind of, you know, ruler. In an Islamic caliphate, that's exactly what happens. So instead of this well, being some, you know, new world order where it's being run by Christendom, it's actually being run by Islam. Well, that, I, you know, I like that idea. But the problem is the Bible talks about the one world church, the church that is run by, um, you know, the false prophet. So... Uh, and 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 I don't think he would call an Islamic uh, caliphate a church. Um, they they just well remember do we, well that. remember this is men who wrote these books. <laughs> these were men There's who what? wrote the books. There, these are their ter- these are their terms that we're using. Of course, that's uh, unless I, you I, think I, that you know the book was written exactly by God, but I don't, which you know I don't believe that. But go ahead. 
Well, see, I, I do believe that. I do believe that everything that the scriptures say is um, uh, given to us by God through the prophets, and and so that's what I believe. Um, and and if you if you go by what the Bible says, um, then I you know if you want to go by its its predictions of you know its prophecies about. Um, world population being cut by you know half or or three quarters or whatever it ends up being, then you also have to follow. It also follows that okay, if that part is correct, then so is the other parts that he talks about, and and that would be that the the church, the the one world order, has a one world church. And, and according to the scriptures, it sounds more like something like a Pope-driven church, not a Protestant-driven church. Um, so we're just going to have to wait and see about that. Um, but there, there's definitely going to be one religion in charge of everything. I Somehow, I just don't think it's going to be Islam because... Islam is not really mentioned in the Bible. Um, armies from the east are mentioned. Armies from the north are mentioned. Um, and yeah, but, the, but the Antichrist is supposed to come out of where? Supposedly Europe. Supposedly Europe. That's what most of the scholars say. But to tell you the truth, I don't really see a clear definition of where comes from. I would expect him to come from just about anywhere. It says he comes out of a revived Roman Empire type type uh, uh, it's a it's a conglomeration of ten nations or, or ten regions or ten kingdoms and out of those ten kingdoms comes the, the beast or, or the Antichrist. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. It's just been a little while since I read that. <laughs> well, so it, those ten kingdoms could be from any place in the world, okay? That tells me. See, a lot of people have made, I think, a premature judgment and said that the ten kingdoms are some kind of a European federation, you know, where ten European nations come together uh, and then the Antichrist comes out of them. But I, I, if if you see if it, when you see this new world order coming, we're talking about the whole world being under one oligarchy, and so they'll be they may very well separate the whole world into ten regions, and they'll have a leader for each region, and then out of those leaders there will come the antichrist. That's how I see it. You know, I, I, you know, who knows who's right or who's wrong? Because we'll have to wait and see how it unfolds. What God really planned, but that—that's the way I look at it. The Antichrist can come from any place. That's the way I look at it. And let's go ahead and since, and then yeah, let's go ahead and because our friend Kelly somehow uh, thinks that we managed to turn Bard's logic and sometimes even Bard's logic after dark into the Bard's Logic Bible Hour, which is total ironic since, well, we all know my religious uh, leanings. Uh, so let's go that. ahead and welcome... We all know that. <laughs> let's go ahead and welcome uh, 
Welcome, Kelly. Thank you very much, Kelly, uh, for coming to the show. How are you? And would you have any interest, Kelly, in being uh, on a uh, committee for the Democrat Party? Because we've had a uh, person on not long ago uh, that is a Ronald O'Donnell who is running uh, in a primary uh, for a state Senate seat for the Democrats uh, in California. Well, he won. So now he's going to be the candidate, and they are looking for someone to be on their central committee. And I can't do it, even though he did invite me to be on there since I live in Ohio. But Kelly lives in California, so maybe you could be a part of the uh, uh, of the committee. What do you think, Kelly? Oi, 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 oi. If you have any idea what goes on at the state capitol, it's like 12, 14, 16-hour days. And it's like yeah, uh, wants a central uh, committee. Yeah, you want someone to be from the central on the central committee. I can't. Cause I'm in Ohio, but yeah. Yeah, well, if if, if you're uh, boy, um, interested, but the time commitment is absolutely insane. Uh, those in the uh, state legislature work twelve, fourteen, sixteen hours a day. It's it's like uh, you love to help you. I'm not sure. Anyway, so. All right. So, guard, uh, here we go again, the guard's logic gospel hour. And, yes, by the way, I do believe that the Antichrist will come from the Middle East, not Europe. Um, Muslim based. Okay. All right. I That's just, um, okay. Let's go into what's going on in California because we have a disaster. If you remember the uh, <clears throat> Florida boondoggle between uh, Gore and Bush, the hanging chads, and then Ohio, where it was another mess. California this year is going to be equivalent to that. It is a disaster in California. My predictions are if things happen right, Bernie Sanders will have a landslide in California against Hillary, which will upset the Democratic National Convention. That's pretty mind-blowing. I happen to live in California. Okay, so let's 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 go look at the justice because that it's got a good summary of it. This 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 whole mess of how how do you hack the computer to make sure Hillary wins California? Okay, that's kind of a quick summary. And I'm not saying Hillary's doing it. It's just somebody really likes Hillary and putting the Secretary of State, which would be Mr. Padilla, Alex Padilla. All right, so here we go. This is the Justice Gazette talking about what's going on in California with the whole it's a, it's again, like Florida with the hanging chads. Okay, here we go. Uh, June 7, 2016, California. The Justice Gazette reporters and others are conducting an investigation into voting irregularities and the theft of Bernie Sanders' apparent California landslide victory by those supporting Hillary Clinton. According to popular actress Frances Fisher, a lawsuit is being prepared to require the counting of all the provisional ballots. Side note, yeah. There is a lawsuit being prepared. It's going to be filed against the Secretary of State and others that, yeah, we got a mess here because somebody's messing with the vote. All right, that's the end of, end of my side note. Back to this article. If this lawsuit is successful, the actual account is expected to become, uh, and, and Sanders will likely have a landslide victory in California. The theft of California hasn't deterred Sanders from his course. He has promised to fight on while noting it is a steep uphill climb. Given all the states 
where voter fraud in favor of Hillary Clinton has been allowed to swing primaries from Sanders to Clinton, it is in, ste- it is in fact a steep uphill climb to restore democracy and force the now undemocratic Democratic Party to nominate the man that the vast majority of American voters have voted for or tried to vote for. Side note, this is me. In New York, there is a lawsuit filed. Arizona, lawsuit filed. Um, Ohio, they're working on it. Going to file a lawsuit. California, lawsuit. Why? Because somebody hacked the computers in favor of Hillary. Back to the article. It has been learned from poll workers that 50% to 90% of voters who were supposed to have been eligible to vote in the Democratic Party were told they would have to vote provisional ballots. There were two irregular irregularities. <clears throat> there were two irregularities leading to the forced use of provisional ballots instead of regular ballots. The first that, that previously registered voters' names had been removed from the rolls. The second was that someone, in most cases not the voter, had marked them as vote by mail voters, but they had received no ballot in the mail. Oddly, virtually all those not allowed to vote and forced to vote provisional ballots were Bernie Sanders supporters. The next oddity is even more curious. Poll workers in Los Angeles and Orange County report that Bernie won the electronic votes in their precincts by well over a two-to-one margin, the opposite of the result of the vote count. The contrast between this and the outcome is indicative of vote flipping. Also, the outcome or the outcome does not match that anyone who conducted polling in this state knows. Below the election night video, blah, 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 hacking democracy, Beth Harris, God bless her. All right. In the Bay Area, this is me, not the article, 100,000 people showed up in the Bay Area for a Bernie Sanders rally. Hillary Clinton had like, oh, I don't know, two, three hundred people. Wait, didn't we see this in 2012, Ron Paul? So we had 100,000 at the Bernie rally and a few hundred in the Clinton rally. And the barrier went Hillary Clinton. That's okay. And to me, back to this article. If you add lower figures of 50% of voters who were not allowed to vote regular ballots for Bernie to the votes he received, you wind up with a substantial Sanders landslide in California. The primary beneficial of this fraud is... Uh, Real real quick, Kelly, real quick. uh, Just let folks know who are listening out there. uh, If you want to listen to the Bard's Logic After Dark, uh, you will need to call in in the next minute at 347-945-7428. Even though the show will go on for uh, approximately another hour, you'll need to call at 347-945-7428. Before this minute lapses, or unfortunately, your audio uh, will uh, cut out. You won't be able to hear the live portion of the show. So of course, you're welcome to listen to the uh, podcast. And of course, we always uh, ask that you uh, share the po- podcast as well. Uh, but if you'd like to listen live or even contribute, call us at 347 945 7428. Go ahead, Kelly. Okay. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> I'm chucked up over how they can rig elections still. <clears throat> okay. So if you add the lower figure of 50% of voters who were not allowed to vote regular ballots for Bernie to the votes he received, you wind up with a substantial Sanders landslide victory in California. 
And, of course, the primary beneficial of the fraud is Hillary Clinton. Okay, Greg Palast, he was the one who exposed the uh, Florida boot dog in 2000. He's on this. He writes an article, how California is being swollen from Sanders right now. So, considering polling and other factors, um, uh, Democrats are like, uh, what's going on here? The heck is, what? I thought I voted for them. No, I guess I didn't. Okay, poll workers in Orange and Los Angeles County have reported that Bernie won the electronic votes in their precincts by well over two to to one margin. So how does this translate into a victory for Clinton? Ask yourself why an excited crowd of hundreds, uh, tens of thousands came to the election night event of a loser. I'm sorry. Ask yourself why an excited crowd of thousands came to the election night event of a loser when this kind of crowd has never come to the event of a primary loser in California's history. Perhaps this is because Sanders didn't lose. Votes can be flipped in less than a minute by someone walking to the register's office. Watch Bev Harris's documentary, Hiking Democracy. You'll understand what's really going on. Okay. So we've got all these. I'm, I'm, this, this, this article goes on quite a bit. But basically, here's what's happening. Okay. And I mentioned this before in the show. Mentioned again. Computer hackers are hacking into the registration database in closed primary. What's a closed primary? In a closed primary, New York, Arizona, California, if you want to vote for a libertarian, you have to be registered libertarian. If you're independent, you can't vote libertarian. You want to vote for um, a Republican, you have to be a Republican. Sorry, that's what it is. You want to vote for a Democrat, you have to be registered Democrat. Well, what happens if somebody hacks into the voter registration database and flips your voter registration to, oh, libertarian, independent, you can't vote for a Democrat even though you want to. So you go to the you go to the um, polling place and say, you know, this is a little strange. Maybe it's a clerical error. I don't understand it, but I've been a lifelong Democrat and I want to vote for Bernie, but my registration that I got in the mail is Republican. Okay. Well, we'll take a provisional ballot. Well, we're going to take a provisional ballot for you. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, oh, woohoo, yay, I voted for Bernie, even though I was a registered Republican, even though the computer did that for me. Lifelong Democrat, I'm registered Republican by the computer. They, gave, they, 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 they placated me by saying I'm now a Democrat on Election Day. Whoops, state law. If you're not a registered Democrat, by December 20, uh, May 23rd, if you're not a registered Democrat, by May 23rd, you cannot vote for a Democrat. If you do afterwards from another party, your vote is invalid. In other words, by flipping the voter registration, they have nullified hundreds of thousands of votes for Bernie Sanders. Is this making sense in my... Explaining this all enough, computer yeah, hackers are saying, making sense. "Yeah, so basically, if you were Bernie Sanders, they hunted you down, they flipped you into Republican, Independent, Libertarian. You could never vote for Bernie Sanders. If you did vote for him on election day, your vote did not count according to state law." Well, I was a poll greeter here in our primary, and uh, I saw that story. Uh, people would come to me, you know, just kind of wondering why I was sitting there. Um, and then I would, you know, call out the people that I thought might be a, um, a Republican, 
and and ask them to join us uh, in the fight. You know, we were signing people up to work in the November election. And um, I had people come to me and say, do you know what's going on here? Because I went in there, I'm I'm a lifelong Democrat, and I went in there to vote, and they told me I can't vote. Um, they they tell me I'm I'm registered as an independent, um, and and in the and the woman the one woman that I I talked to said, um, uh, well I was I was actually going in there as a Democrat, but I wanted to vote for Trump. Um, but they wouldn't let her vote for either because they had her signed up as an independent. So I don't know you know if that has anything to do with you know, what's going on in California and whether that's been nationwide, but I would suspect that it is. It is. You're in Florida, right? Yes. Okay. Closed primary. That's the key phrase. Closed means if you're a libertarian, you can only vote for a libertarian. Unless you change your party status um, weeks before the election. So if you change it on the election day, your vote it's thrown away. You feel good because you voted for somebody, but legally it's invalid. So kind of like write-in ballots will be. I hear a lot of people talking about writing in Ted Cruz, and it's an utter act in futility for because for a couple of few reasons. One, he has to register in every single state that he wants to be on a write-in ballot. It's just a fact. You just have to. Every state has their own rules for it. If you don't register as a write-in as a write-in on the ballot, you will you're you're anybody that basically if you write in Ted Cruz and he is not a, listed as a write-in ballot, your ballot is listed as invalid and is not counted in any way. So not only did you waste your vote for president, you wasted your entire trip to the to the polls, and uh, you know and and so it's 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 just. A wasted effort. I understand that people are upset. I understand that, and I can I can appreciate you know I appreciate that because you know this is the first time I've ever had anybody I wanted in the White House that actually has a chance. So believe me, I I understand. I've I've um, but 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 it's invalid. They and the other thing is, is even if they did register in, uh, let's say Ohio, Robert, you decided to write in Ted Cruz as a as a write-in ballot. Write-in ballot. Well, that's exactly what do. I plan to do. I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you made me pause. I heard the silence. It's like I knew better, but my brain took a moment to go, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that silence, everybody? Yeah. Well, but here's the thing. Even if, even if your guy does register as a write-in candidate, it's only there as – basically a show of protest votes. They are never counted for the national total. So even if, let's say all 50 states, Ralph Nader put himself on the ballot and got everybody to, you know, as a write-in, and everybody wrote in, and he had the majority of the of all the votes, wouldn't matter. He's still not going to be president because write-in ballots do not count towards the final tally. 
So everybody that's going on about writing, I'm going to write in my favorite candidate. Well, that's all great and all, but why don't you just sit at home and pretend you do it? Because it's not going to be any more effective than if you go all the way to the polls and waste your gas to do it. You might as well just print out yourself a little fake poll and mail it to yourself or whoever, because it's not going to be any more legitimate than doing that. And I hate to make, hate to make people upset. I didn't write the rules, so don't kill the messenger. I'm just telling you how it is. If you don't want Hillary in the White House, you have one choice, and that is Donald Trump. Get over it. Hey, and, well, well, and I, you know, you I, could I, take I, your you could take your little 3D printer and print yourself a little vote polling thing and everything. Yeah, there you, you go. go <laughs> have your own live little the, polling place. <laughs> just, just, just live the lie. Go all out. You know. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Well, a little bit of plastic. But with well, that said, well, last, though, week, with, just, last week, just for kicks, I, uh, during election day, I text a bunch of friends, hey, write me in for state assembly. The other guy is uncontested, and, like, it wasn't valid, but it was for kicks and fun, you know. So I had to continue my race, race and, you know, thank the ten friends that voted for me. <laughs> well, for 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 what it's worth, as far as, as, far as things go, um I go around to about uh, probably, oh, anywhere from 75 to 100 different Facebook groups, you know, political conservative Facebook groups a day, uh, sharing around stuff from overpasses.org, you know, news stories that I put on there. You know, I try to pick the best ones. But one thing I've noticed is that right after, uh, well, when the Never Trump movement first began, they were everywhere. I mean, there were entire groups that if you said anything good about Trump or anything bad about Cruz, you were going to get kicked out. And there was no no quarter, no mercy. You were gone. And now I think there is one remaining group out of all the groups I go to on Facebook that still, if uh, it's, it's, to- it's a total never-Trump group, um, and I guess they're just going to stay that way. I, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Um, but the movement itself seems to be dying. I think that people are finally getting over their anger and they're starting to come, come around to their senses and thinking rationally and realizing that, yeah, they may, they may despise Trump, but Hillary is just pure evil. She just is. And, and I, I, people these days, it seems like they don't want to recognize that there's evil because then they might have to be held accountable for some of the things they do. You know, so as long as everything's a a varied shade of gray, there's no accountability, but I'm sorry. There's good and there's evil. The other reason why why people don't want to believe there's evil because they're still in a Pollyanna world. And this Pollyanna world is so ethereal that, oh, nothing wants to, I don't want anybody to break my ethereal world. Yeah, wake up because there is incredible wickedness and physically they're coming to get you. So they don't want to wake up to it. Oh, I know. I mean, there are people out there in this world that will cut your head off and do not care. They won't blink. They won't, they won't hesitate and they will not have an ounce of remorse. And in fact, may actually feel better about themselves for having done it. But you try to convince some people that that's a reality on on planet Earth, and they'll say, oh, you're just lying. 
you're just making things up. People can't really be that bad. And I'm just, I was just going to finish that thought with, I hate to break it to him, but this world is probably more evil than good. And we need to realize that. And I'm not Disney, you're evil, just a, a part of our conversation we had tonight. Um, is that, you know, I've been posting out uh, the article I read uh, on Facebook and, and getting mixed reactions, of course. Uh, but I'm actually amazed at how many uh, women who are actually okay with uh, the draft. They're not very for that fact that they're women. I mean, I don't know. Uh, that you know, they have to sign up for selective service. Um, you know, it's, it's actually amazing me. You know, I, I, my, my stance on this is that I don't think anyone, man or woman, ought to be drafted, ought to be forced. One, let's be honest, if you're not if you don't want to be there, you're just fodder for the front lines. You know, and you're a danger and you're a danger not only to yourself, but you're a danger to others who are there. You're just not as motivated. Yeah, you're motivated to save your life, but that's not that's not your purpose. You're forced to do it. And and when you're and think about it, in anything in life, when you're forced to do it, do you really do it with as much vigor uh as you would otherwise if you actually wanted to do it? And if you're going to be in the armed forces and if you're going to be in combat, that better be something that you are have the mindset for. And if you don't want to be there, you are not going to be able to develop the mindset necessary to be a success that basically does not mean, you know, end you up being, you know, as I said, fodder and a danger to others. I mean, look how many casualties we've had when we did have a draft. You know, think how many people who, you know, got there, yeah, they got, what, six weeks worth of training or whatever, and then they go over and they get killed. I mean, they're fodder, you know. So, you know, I don't think anyone, including Matt, uh, should be forced to go and, you know, to be drafted and, and go off to war. Now, if you want to, you know, you do need logistics, then if you can, you know, draft them and put them over there where they're not going to be in combat, I still disagree because now you're forcing somebody to do something against their will. Okay, then, and especially, let, let's be honest, folks, we've got the technology today, okay, and we are in Bar's Logic After Dark, so I can say this, right? Okay, okay, and I, I think someone who, uh, okay, I, I, I'm reading someone on Facebook, and I don't even think this lady really uh, realizes who I'm talking about, uh, so I, I'll have to educate her on that, I guess. Uh, and say the woman made me lose my train of thought. Uh, but anyway, but you know, and if you could put them in, you know, in, in, you know, in the lines, logistics, or something of that nature, where they're not in harm's way. But to force somebody to uh, to do that, it just, you know, we, as it was I said, we had the technology, and that, that's I'm back on track. We had the technology, you know, to I mean, we could kill people from thousands of miles away and not even be there. We have drones where we could probably have a war without hardly having anyone boots on the ground. And then the boots on the ground you can have, you know, are the people who are the specialists. I don't think there will ever be a need for a draft. I think them just having these ladies in there is PC. Not really. I don't really think that. Uh, I think that a draft may very well be coming uh, for the very purposes of what we've been talking about here tonight. I think that very well may be something, uh, of course, minus religious aspects of it. Um, but I do think it, it could be part of, uh, you know, the, their plan to do that, especially with having, you know, the women who, you know, have childbearing years, because they're always talking about when to lower the population. 
Okay. And so got the technology, but let's face it, folks, we just don't have the balls to use it. You know, and uh, we, we don't need a draft. We've got all the technology we need to go in, kick somebody's ass, take care of business, kill people. We're just so afraid that if we go in there with our drones, we go in there with our missiles, we're going to kill some innocent people because these assholes, okay, they go out there and they position themselves in with, you know, in with the civilians, and they get killed, collateral damage. It's unfortunate. It's tragic. But, damn it, we got to win a war. You know, and it, the people who are using for human shields said, hey, should turn around and say, hey, screw you. We're not going to be, you know, your shield so that we, you know, and get killed for you. So they should turn around and defend themselves from these people, you know, so that they have it where they're going to take our, you know, our young women, for God's sakes, you know, and, and put them in the, and, and, and have them in a draft and, and put them on front lines. Is absolutely absurd, uh, you know, for that. And, and and or a man, you know. Let's. I mean, you know, all men are not created weak, equal, right? Okay. So you put somebody who you know he'd rather be, you know, teaching a, a class or something, than you know having a gun in his hand and, and, and just kind of what you had earlier. Yeah, they're you know they're bulkier for the most part than women and this and that. But hell, he's not going to be motivated. He's just going to get in somebody's way and get himself shot. Oh, well, there you go. Now we got a, you know, now now we've got another person who who you know, got that got killed over there for what? You know, use the technology we got, blast their ass the way we should. The hell with this, you know, political correctness where we're so afraid to have collateral damage on the other side because we want to win over hearts and minds. The military isn't there to win over hearts and minds. They're there to break things and kill people. That's what our military does. And it's better off if you're going to be in a war for us to kill them than for us to kill, you know, for them to kill us. And if we're going to put our ladies over there, okay, people, like somebody got offended because they called an 18 to 26-year-old a girl. You know, oh, you call 18 to 26-year-old a boy? Yeah, yeah, I do. Because especially today's 23, they're still boys. Let's be honest. How much, how much mature responsibility for you when you were that age? And if you are in the military and you choose to be so, then you're probably someone – of that age category that's more mature for your age, right? Okay. So, anyway, I'll jump off my soapbox and bring it back to you guys. But these people on the social media, especially these, some of these women, are really pissing me off. And I guess that sometimes seems that's when I talk to most when somebody's got me ticked off. Let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Kelly. Well, uh, we have a bigger issue than all, all of our opinions, and that is, that the will of the American people is not being respected through the vote. So what I've done, we had a conference call last night, and, uh, gosh, 25-plus people came on. And what we had here was a bunch of people with, um, well, they're very concerned about electronic election fraud. And so we prepared a simple, this is with Watch the Vote, it's a simple uh, voter statement. And it, when I go through the checkbox, it, it, this is a checkbox statement. All right? It's a checkbox statement. Really easy. Get it out and see what happens. All right. So the checkbox statement goes like this. In big bold letters, checkbox statement. I affirm and believe that the following is true and correct. 
I am 18 years older and I hold residency in Blank County, California. On or before July 7th, 2016, I attempted to vote for U.S. presidential candidate Senator Bernie Sanders in the 2016 uh, California primary. Checkbox. I was legally registered to vote as Democrat in precinct number or, or name for so many years or months. I requested a Democrat ballot and experienced the following by the items marked below with a check mark, check mark or check marks. Check mark number one. No problem. I voted for Senator Sanders at a polling, polling place uh, by a physical paper ballot or touchscreen. Number two, check box. Minor problem, yet I successfully voted for Bernie Sanders. Now here's where you start getting into problems. My party affiliation was flipped, and I had difficulty for difficulty voting for Senator Sanders. I never requested a party affiliation change. My party affiliation was changed without my knowledge or consent. I could not vote for Sanders. Next checkbox. I requested a Democratic ballot for a vote by mail. I received a ballot of a party other than Democrat or I, I received a ballot for a party other than Democrat and I could not vote for Sanders. Next checkbox. I requested a vote by mail but never received a ballot in the mail. Because of this, I did not, did not or could not vote in this election for Senator Sanders. Next checkbox. I requested a vote by mail, but never received a ballot in the mail. I went to the polls and successfully voted provisional for Senator Sanders. Next checkbox. I'm suspicious of the accuracy and truthfulness of the electronic voting system. Last checkbox. I had some other ballot problems. I wanted to vote for Sanders. I tried to work it out with a poll worker. Are you okay, Kelly? What? Are you okay? It sounds like you're hiccuping or something. <laughs> I've had this problem since I was a kid having these hiccups. Don't understand them. But anyway, so there's an other oh, okay. box fill in the form and email it to watch the vote. Watch the vote. <clears throat> so basically, this tries to cover all the problems in California. Download it, check the box, take a picture with, with your cell phone, email it to the Secretary of State, and the people that watch the vote. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm not alone. I had a friend whose girlfriend was a registered in, independent. She was going to vote by mail. She got her ballot, blew it off. The day of the election, in the morning, she opens, she opens up her vote by mail. She was a Democrat. Wait a minute. She registered as independent. So she goes to the polls. And she's like, um, yeah. I was uh, registered independent. I got the Democrat ballot. Oh, we'll help you with that. You have to vote provisional. Just register here. And she voted for independent after she got re-registered. And I told her, um, here's the deal. May 23rd was the deadline. If you're not registered independent, you can't vote independent. In other words, you voted independent, but because you were a registered Democrat in the computer, your vote is invalid. Your vote meant nothing. She said, this is bullshit. 
somebody should be prosecuted and like criminal and go to jail. I'm like, I'm sorry to tell you the news, the news, but that's what happened. Oh, she was furious. So people are hacking into the electronic registration system to make sure that those who want to vote for Bernie, I'm not a Bernie fan, I'm a registered libertarian, but if you want to vote for Bernie, you can't. And if you do, at the ballot, it's illegal. In other words, what we're going to see here, and lawsuits will bring this out, what we're going to see here is, oh, that's right, the press said, Hillary won California, yay! No. A bunch of people voted for Bernie Sanders, making a landslide for Bernie Sanders, but because their votes don't count, Hillary's going to win. Oh, my gosh, that's how she did it. I yield. Folks, uh, just as a programming note, uh, we do uh, have only about 25 minutes before we have to get ready to close things out. Please uh, shoot some other folks on the line. Uh, just push that one on your number dial. Uh, if you'd like to chime in uh, or if you're listening, uh, go ahead and continue to do so. But if you'd like uh, to be heard, uh, just push the one dial on your number dial and I will get you into the show. Uh, and also uh, remember to save uh, the link so that you can share it later, uh, either through your uh, Facebook or Twitter or your LinkedIn or, of course, emails. Uh, it's ways to share the show uh, as well. And so, of course, we always uh, appreciate uh, doing that. So first we'll bring it back to uh, you, James. Would you like to make any comments on uh, Kelly's uh, conversation and then you, Cindy? And I was hoping uh, uh, James uh, would have been able to, or, you know, Jim Condit Jr. would be able to call back in, uh, or call in, I should say, not back in, but call in. Uh, but unfortunately he was unable to make it with us. Uh, but, you know, perhaps we could get him on again. I do get a number of folks uh, who, who are working on uh, next, coming on for next week. Uh, right now what I'm working on is a Matt Fitzgibbons, who is a Patriot music writer. And uh, so he makes patriotic songs, and we're working on getting him on uh, next week. We also have something uh, on the 29th, uh, but we may have our good friend uh, Arlene on. Uh, she's got uh, perhaps some family members going to be coming on to uh, discuss uh, a plight that they are dealing with. Uh, and so we may be having them on to try to help them out where we can uh, with that. And so uh, that's a possible lineup for the next two weeks. Uh, so, uh, you know, just waiting for a confirmation from uh, Mr. Fitzgibbons on whether uh, he'll be coming to the show just to talk about, you know, his patriotic music, uh, what motivates him, perhaps what he even thinks about this uh, latest uh, development with the Senate uh, starting the okay for women to sign up for uh, selective service. Uh, so let's go ahead and bring it back, uh, as I said, uh, to you, James, and then Cindy, and then uh, we'll continue on with the rest of the show. Go ahead, James. Well, uh, after this, I'm going to take off. I'm about to fall asleep on you here. I'm not normally up this late anymore. Ever since I moved to California, I became a morning person. (laughs) Um, Well, moved there and back. I want to clarify that. I'm not still there. (laughs) Don't ever want to go back. Um, But at any rate, um, 
you know, I have no doubt in regards to what Kelly was saying, I have no doubt there's rampant voter fraud going on. The Democrats are well known for that. And, you know, they, I mean, good grief, they created the entire super delegate system just to try to keep control, you know, on, on who the candidate was going to be. And, and, you know, and it just, they have certainly haven't gotten any more, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, well, moral is I guess would work, but it's not what I'm looking for. But they certainly haven't, you know, they're 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 they certainly haven't become more decent people since then. So, you know, it's just going to go downhill, you know, from there until eventually the Democrats get exactly what they want, and then there will only be one party. I mean, we're practically there already anyway. But it'll officially be just one party, and you'll, yeah, you know, they, just like when Saddam would run for office, he got 99% of the vote because he was the only one running. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and, that's, and that's what they want to do to us. That's what they want to do to us. Uh, and in regards earlier to the, uh, you know, what they're, whatever it is they're trying to do, the New World Order is is while not everybody may share the same religious beliefs, one thing you do have to keep in mind when taking all of that into account is that a whole lot of people do. And so while you might not believe it yourself, most of the players that are involved with all that mess do. So you kind of have to approach it like, okay, well, if you don't believe, if I didn't believe, but I, since I don't believe, but if I did, how would I look at it? And you can kind of see the, you know, the, the way things are slanting that way, um, you know, because, yeah, the people that, uh, well, obviously uh, ISIS and you know, the uh, Muslims are much more serious about their religion, at least in the last few decades, than what Christians have been. And it's, it's showing. That's why they're surging right now, because... Uh, well, Christians just got soft. We we live, you know, for the most part, and you know, we got to that whole "it'll never happen here" mentality. Well, it's happening here, and people still can't believe it. Um, but you know, if we if we allow Hillary in the White House, or if she's placed in there, which I'm afraid is going to happen, and then I'm going to have to. Uh, do my best imitation of George Washington, but I'm not going to live in an America where Hillary Clinton is president. Um, <laughs> um, it's game over. And people need to realize that we're not playing anymore. This isn't a joke. This, this isn't like something where you could ignore it and it will go away. It would be awesome if you could. But the problem is, is, that's the attitude that's gotten us into this mess to begin with is people thought if they ignored it, it would eventually go away. Well, unfortunately, while people were ignoring it, the monster kept eating and getting bigger and bigger and its appetite was getting bigger and then it became angry and it, it, it can't get enough to eat. And, and it's going to devour us all if we, if we don't rein in this government. I mean, our government needs to be trimmed down about 90%, uh, you know, well, down to about 10% of what its current size is. Otherwise, this is, you know, this is all just going to continue. Um, what my hope is for the next four years after Trump is elected is that he's going to wield 
the Tenth Amendment like a battle axe. And I have a lot of federal government agencies shut down. Uh, you know, he's, he's listed a few that are possibly on the chopping block, the Department of Education, the Department of Energy, and uh, I can't think of anything else. I, I know there's more. I'm just tired. Uh, but he's the only pre- person I've heard about, heard talking, running for president in a long, in a long since Ross Perot, that talked about getting rid of government. And we have to. First off, it's unsustainably huge. It is. It is just unsustainably huge, and it will implode. And that's what kills me. We've become so basically a welfare state. Uh, 47% of the population is on government assistance of some sort. And there will come a time to where even the government is so broke, it can't feed anybody and when that day happens, it's going to be, a, well, let's just say there's probably going to be some cities on fire across this country uh, when the government can't even give out food stamps anymore. But we're $20 trillion in immediate debt, another $200 trillion in debt that's about to come back and, and, and bite us. And well, it's going to get ugly. And the only hope we have of avoiding that is Donald Trump, whether you like him or not. Hillary Clinton will send this country straight to hell. And, you know, maybe you don't know what Trump is going to do, but I guarantee you if Hillary is in there, you won't recognize Uh this country four years later. And I'd just like to encourage everybody, you know, if you've never gone out and stood up for yourself and stood up for the country, uh, you know, join us at Overpasses. You can find us on uh, Facebook at Overpasses for America. And you can find us on online at overpasses.org or o4a.org. And just join us. Get out there and speak out. It's not something scary. We're not standing in the middle of the freeway like certain other stupid people. Um, we actually stand <laughs> yeah. over the freeway. Where it's stand actually, up you know, on the trucks and, and stuff. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we do things in a respectful manner. And if you'd just like to speak out in a respectful, appropriate manner, well, please join us because we'd love to have you. And until you do it, you won't realize just how many people's lives you change while you're out there. And I'd just like to welcome anybody to, to give it a try. And even if you, honestly, if you don't even want to join overpasses, just take what we're doing and do it yourself. Just do it. Get out and speak out. And wake some people up, make some differences in some lives, and one person can do it. And I'd like hey, to Jim? encourage everybody to do it. May, yeah. May, may, uh, yeah. May I offer some encouragement? Sure, of course. Okay, so I got Facebook friends all over the country, and I can't even remember what state, but somebody, like, were excited. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. This, this particular friend was not politically aware. They are a little bit, but not very much. And they're like, yeah, I saw this overpasses thing. And it was really cool. Like, wow, I'm glad somebody's making a difference. It's like, dude, you're finally waking up. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. You know, that's an encouragement to you because even my remote, you know, my friends that are, like, not politically aware are, are like, encouraged in, in this, like, this person was reached. Are you serious? This guy who was like totally politically, politically ignorant. So total kudos to you for waking up the most remotest politically aware friend for years and decades. Uh, good job. 
good job. You're, you're having well, a good job. Well, good. I'm glad to see that we are, you know. And, and you know, and, and uh, you know, the, the, what we did is the whole point was, and it's going to sound silly maybe a little bit, but 25 years ago I was in Amway. <laughs> and one oh, thing wow. I, I remember the Amway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I took one useful bit of a tidbit of knowledge away from them that it's actually uh, has been applicable in real life, and especially in this. And that is, if you want to start a business or anything that you want other people to join in on, it needs to be duplicatable. Just like every fast food restaurant, they do the exact same thing or mm-hmm. close proximity thereof at every different uh, branch or, 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 you know, and, and that's just the way it goes. And, and so you know, other groups have taken up in particular uh, the stand by me organization, the one that stu- that began when LaVoy Finnegan was assassinated by the federal government. Um, you know, they have, they have just taken it and run with it. And it's awesome. Cause I, I see their pictures and it just makes me smile because I know that, I could stop right now and just walk completely away. And in my own way, I've helped change this country for the better. And I feel good about it. I just it just makes me want to go and do more. And and I just I have to thank everybody with Stand by Me for validating everything that we've been out there doing for the last three years because it's just a crazy overpasses people now. <laughs> It's it's spreading, and that's good. It's good. I mean, I'm I'm so glad to see that people are starting to wake up and realizing that they can change the world around them, and and it's just it's an awesome thing to see. But we've got a, you know, we've still got 535 people, even if Trump's elected. We have 535 other troublemakers up in up in the House and the Senate. And, you know, if you've seen what they've done over the last two days since Orlando, uh, you know, it's, it's no good. It's no good. The whole PC agenda. And, Robert, I'm right there with you on the draft for women. I think it's ridiculous. Whatever happened to men, you know, we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't be having to do that. But the problem is we've got this entire generation coming up with these feminized, you know, metrosexual weaklings that just make me want to walk up and just punch them in the face so they'll understand what, what, what pain and recovering is actually like. I mean, I know they'll run to the safe space and they'll be charged with a hate crime, but, uh, gosh, this, this generation, pathetic girly men. And it's no wonder they have to draft women because I hate to say it, but half the women that are around in their same generation are probably more masculine than, than, than half the men. And that's just terrible. Dude, that, was, that was from design. That, that's been, I think that's been by design as well. Well, I do too. I do too. The whole blending of the genders. I mean, the fact, the fact that this transgender thing has even taken root when John Hopkins, Johns Hopkins, who's probably one of the most prestigious uh, institutions in this country, says that they're crazy. And they need psychotherapy because the only thing that this that sex change surgery does is mutilate, surgically mutilate the mentally ill. But yet we're pandering to them because we just we became weak and complacent. We stopped standing up to the ridiculousness of liberalism. And until we decide we're going to 
stand up to it once and for all and not only stop them in their tracks, but make them backpedal quite a big chunk of waste. We don't just have to stop them. We have to take ground back in this country to get this country back. It's not just a matter of stopping the bleeding. It, we have to do surgery because America, it, it, we just got hit by a Mack truck and we have massive internal injuries. And if we don't get in and fix them, we're going to die as a country. And it's just the way it is. And we've, it, we, we've got to stand together and take care of business. And I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Robert. Thank you very much, James, uh, for coming in and uh, being one of our panel tonight. It's always uh, appreciated uh, having you on. It's always great to hear from you. Uh, and, of course, uh, you're always welcome uh, back to talk about uh, that, you know, the overpasses, or, of course, uh, any of our other topics. And, of course, uh, yeah, if you've got the time and uh, you like to call into the Sean Hannity show, as I'm planning on doing on Friday uh, to promote our petition. I think we've got a bunch of people calling in for it. Uh, they'll be like, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? And then more likely that we'd be able to get on the air. So whether I get on the air or one of you folks get on the air uh, who support Newt Gingrich as the VP for Trump, uh, just uh, tell them the reasons why you're supporting uh, Newt. And of course, Make sure you don't get off the line without uh, promoting our petition, uh, which is at www.standunited.org backslash petition, another backslash, and then Gingrich-4-Trumps, that's a plural, finesse-VP, so that perhaps uh, they'll get out on the airwaves, we get more people uh, writing it down and coming on and signing it for us so that we can send uh, at the end of this month no, which is coming quickly, uh, we could send it to Trump and show him that even, you know, we still do. Uh, so I think it, it, we need to think of something else because, unfortunately, uh, one comment, and I find it so exasperating, um, oh, what word I was looking for, uh, exasperating, that one comment that Duke, uh, says because the other people such as, such as Sessions and uh, West, who now people, some people are pushing having those be the VP pick, which haven't been as vocal uh, in support of uh, Donald Trump, nor do they have the uh, the ideas that Gingrich has uh, or the experience that Gingrich has. Now, they may be, you know, more suited in, in West's case as perhaps a defense secretary, and in Sessions' case, as I said earlier, as a SCOTUS nominee, uh, but I would say as a VP, they just, they're just not. But because of one comment, and these two men decided not to make any comment on that, um, which makes me wonder, you know, why they kept their, you know, their, their comments to themselves. And it just, and it drives me nuts. I mean, these people say they, oh, well, we support Trump. It's like, will you, have you never, do you support everything that's come out of his mouth? And let's tell, let me tell you folks, if there's people out there, and let me tell you something, you know, and there are some Trump supporters out there that, like, agree with every word that comes out of that man's mouth, that's kind of scary. You know, it's like if you can't have a mind of your own and you think this guy's right in everything, that's worrisome. I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely, as you pointed out, James, he'd definitely be much better than Hillary Clinton by far stretch. But don't think the man's omniscient for God, you know. No, no. 
that's the problem. I've I'm not seen saying you are, the, but I'm saying the, there's there, there's supporters out there who think, oh well, we're regardless of who Trump picks, that's definitely going to be the best person because Trump picked him. It's like, no, the guy's not all knowing. The guy is new in the political field, and they act like we don't have the right to even suggest who uh, who we think Newt should pick. Go ahead, James. Well, I mean, you know, and it's, it's, yeah, uh, you know, it's. It's the same way on on both sides of that aisle. I mean, you know, you, 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 I've just never seen an election before, well, before Obama showed up, I guess I should say, where people just blindly and practically, I I guess some do, worship the person. It's just like, you know, this is just your favorite stranger running for office. This is not the Messiah. You know, I mean, he he might be the you know the best president ever, but he's certainly not. There are none of you know he's not infallible. None of them are, and they certainly haven't. You know, blind faith leads to things like the Soviet Union, <laughs> and or, or 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 Guyana, or or you know the uh, Heaven's Gate people. And you're you know, right. I, I'm, I'm just not one of those type of people, and I don't understand those types of people. And honestly, I don't have time for those types of people. Uh, they show up on my page and they go away. I just don't have time for those people. They're they're ignorant. Yeah. I don't have time for ignorant people. But anyway, Robert, I have to get out of here right now because and I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah, we get to sleep and, uh, and 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 carry on. And uh, and also we had uh, uh, let's see. Debbie, uh, she uh, said some kind words, uh, said, talking about you, James, says he lives, breathes, and constantly going over and above to get the conservative word out there. God bless him for all that he has done. See, I can't even get that one. Well, thank you. Down my <laughs> thank you, Debbie. With there that, you I'm go. And so, that, that's, a, that's a good high note to say goodnight on. <laughs> that's goodnight. Right. That was my intention to leave it, leave it, let's leave it on there. Thank you very much. Uh, and right. we only have about, uh, you have a good night. We only have about, care, uh, I'd say, you too, James. It was great hearing from you. We'll let's talk soon. Uh, and we, uh, and that was James Neighbors, folks, who uh, was one of our uh, longtime panelists here on the show. And is now focusing on his work uh, with the overpasses of America. Uh, definitely check your different states' uh, overpasses. And if they don't have uh, someone leading you right now, uh, consider being a leader of the overpasses uh, for uh, that state for its group. Uh, you know, so we uh, appreciate uh, you looking into it. And so, as I said, we only got about, uh, wow, just about eight minutes for us to close things out. Uh, so that only leaves about four minutes for closing comments uh, from e- each of you. And so of all the different uh, things we talked about tonight, uh, yeah, it was a fascinating half. Uh, Timothy on, or Tim, as he said for me to call him, uh, on tonight. I tell you what, he was a lot different than what I thought. I mean, I read articles and, and heard stuff, and it, he just seemed more, a little more down to earth than what, you know, I was anticipating, uh, just from, you know, just the way some of the articles described the guy. Uh, but that's you know, that's the thing. You don't really know someone until you, you know, or at least talk with them. Uh, and, you know, so even, that's why the thing about text and stuff like that, you don't even really can't tell someone, you know, what their uh, intentions are because, you know, hearing someone actually, 
you know, actually really conveys a lot. So let's go ahead and uh, get our closing comments out. I wish we could have spent more uh, talking about what you were uh, speaking on, Kelly, because that is very important. Uh, we'll definitely, of course, the closer we get to the election, uh, then, you know, it's going to be more important to make sure that we do watch the vote, watch, you know, make sure Hillary Clinton uh, doesn't get in. And uh, I think that's going to be uh, – I could imagine her being the president. Go ahead, Kelly. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, finish the closing co- – start the closing comments with yourself, and then we'll go over to Cindy. And then, wow, the show went uh, fast tonight. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, do it that way. Go, uh, you first, Kelly. All right. <clears throat> with the Democratic presidential primary, I am reminded of what happened in 2012. So – the establishment said, Romney, 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 yeah, he's a winner, yeah, presumptive winner, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> Disenfranchising the Gingrich folk, the Santorum folk, and the Ron Paul folk, IR, the latter. So all of a sudden, when the primary election comes, we're like, what about Romney? Because you guys really, like, oh, what's that called? Um, stealing an election? So... The establishment hasn't learned that people get franchised and not vote for the establishment candidate. Hillary Clinton this year just happened to be the establishment candidate. So what is happening from this, by the way, there's a federal recall lawsuit being filed over this electronic election problem and hacking by computers, and who is the beneficiary? Hillary Clinton. I didn't say Hillary Clinton is doing it. Because, well, she doesn't know programming languages. I know about five. I've done about five languages. But who's the beneficiary? Clinton. The subtle implications would be Hillary. Okay? So <clears throat> some will say Hillary, Hillary hackers. We don't know who's doing it. But we do know the beneficiary is really Hillary Clinton. So <clears throat> what does that mean? When we cover the general election, and as this is exposed by the Bernie Sanders fans who are passionate, as this is exposed that the Hillary hackers benefit Hillary, she's going to lose 5, 10, maybe 15 points, and that is going to hurt her in the general election, which means what? Well, Donald Trump's probably going to win. I mean, I mean, if you've committed crimes from Arkansas and Whitewater and, you know, covering up for your husband who's raping women, you know, it's going to get exposed that basically, yeah, um, nobody really wants to vote for Hillary. So there's a good chance that whatever Republican wins, the Republican nomination at the convention is going to be our next president. So I don't understand why the establishment is so hubris to think they can get away with this. Un believable to be continued a yield well and i've seen something i don't know if it's true but it bears uh real quick cindy uh something to look into is uh brandon on facebook posted uh, a child of palestine's photo it's the uh photos of the father of the shooter in orlando says hey wouldn't it be weird if the father of the orlando shooter and has a picture of him was actually a CIA asset that has met with multiple members of Congress, and Omar was employed by the same company, G4S, that has been linked to many mass shootings. 
And it's got uh, two folks on here. Now, one I recognize. Um, oh, my gosh. I'm having, I, I, I can't remember his name either. It's terrible. But two Democrats uh, on there <laughs> with uh, his father's picture taken with them. Um, I wish we had the name. And um, oh, what's that guy? I, I can't remember the name. And I don't want to waste your time, Cindy, trying to figure it out. Uh, so let's go ahead. Uh, and that's on Facebook. And you can find that post. Uh, in the now you won't be able to if you're listening to the podcast because it'll probably be gone by then. But the group on Facebook called Wake Up America. Go ahead, Cindy. Well, I just had a couple last minute um, comments um, when James was on. He mentioned something about the national debt. And I just wanted to point out that I believe that the the national debt is actually the mechanism uh, that they have used, that they are using. It's the the chosen path to allow the U.N. to take over the government of the United States. When we come to the point where we are so so bankrupt, um, that's when we'll, I mean, they've sort of, started to do kind of the same thing over there with Greece and uh, Spain and some other nations over there in Europe that were part of the European uh, nation. But anyway, when, when, when we get to the point where China owns enough of us um, and others, I think Russia owns a huge chunk of us, uh, when all these people own enough of us, um, we will not be able to service our 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 interest rate, let alone our debt. So that's the point where where they will the the world the un the the UN will get together and say we've got to save the United States. We're going to have to bring her into the large world order, and everybody's going to you know help her along <laughs> and we'll pay her debts and and then of course we'll belong to them you know but anyway um and then um he also said that the muslims were surging and we the christians were waning and uh this is a fact and um mostly because christians aren't doing what christians were told to do in the bible um but you also have to look at it this way. Muslims are surging not because of their wonderful message. They are surging because they force their religion by violent means on other nations. So, yeah, if we, you know, went back to the days of, you know, the the conquerors, the Christians who went out and, and conquered nations uh, and forced them into Christian Christianity, you know, that's what we went through the, the Reformation for was to stop that kind of, um, you know, top-down control of Christ, over Christianity and, and where it was going to go. Um, yeah, if we if we went back to there, yeah, we could we could surge across the world too, but that's not what Christianity is about, and we learned that lesson the hard way. And now I guess the Muslims are going to have to learn it the hard way too. Um, because I don't think the people at the top are going to allow them. They're using them right now to get what they want. The, the chaos that they create 
gives them the opportunity to take away our um, privacy, um, you know, due to the uh, security issue, we're giving away our rights mm-hmm. so that we can, uh, you know, stop stop the Muslims. Also, um, Kelly, uh, just think about the last election, and didn't you really think that um, Obama, I, I mean, who voted for Obama? If you go around and you ask people, they, uh, you could find hardly anyone who voted for Obama, and yet somehow he won. So, I, I, you know, they do that, uh, you know, when you've got these voting machines um, that are owned by a Soros-owned company, and we know, you know, he chooses what he wants, and he can do whatever he wants with those voting machines. Uh, you're absolutely right. We do have to tabulate by hand. We're going to have to take... I agree. People are going to have to force their governments, every county in this, in this whole, every county and parish in this nation is going to have to force their officials, their, their um, superintendent of elections and all those people, they're going to have to force them to count the ballots by hand with representatives from all parties there um, witnessing the counting. Because that's the only way oh, to yeah. make sure that they don't mess with it. And we're going to have to definitely uh, talk more and more about that as the election goes uh, goes forward. Uh, but I want to thank everyone, of course, our guest tonight, uh, Tim Sykes, coming onto the show, as well as uh, yourself, Cindy, uh, as well as uh, you, Kelly, and James. And for those who also uh, came into uh, the show this evening, whether you listen or whether uh, you uh, chimed in. Uh, but definitely, folks, uh, still out there. Uh, still out. Go ahead and... <laughs> Share the link and, of course, meet me or join me on Friday uh, to call in to the Sean Hensley Show to uh, promote the petition for Newt Gingrich to be Trump's VP. And look on Facebook on the different, uh, especially Trump pages, uh, to do so. Uh, so hey, I will Robert, tonight. Why don't, you give us the, why don't you give us the phone number for Sean's show? I, you know what? I'll have to look that up. Uh, and then that will also be on Facebook, uh, well, you know, we'll wait for the call-in number. Uh, but I will well, get you it to you. Uh, to, you also have to find out when his live show begins because some of us don't listen live. Some of us are uh, listen later you know, on it in starts, the it's, it's, th- it's three. It's, and I won't be able to play the closing song, I guess, tonight. But real quick, it's 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time. 